does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, welcome in on this Tuesday. No two-hour delay for the wake-up call. We are here, and we got you for the next three hours on the fan. As always, hanging out and broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. Tons and tons to talk about today. A big show, NFL, uh, first week of the postseason in the books. Indiana and Purdue tonight. You better get that Peacock subscription uh, popping. Pacers lose last night. Tons to talk about the weather. Be careful out there, man. It was slick uh, on my way in. I would imagine Mark and Kevin, both of you, uh, went through the entire thing. Kevin, a good morning to you. You're looking good this morning. I know Notre Dame lost last night, but you're persevering through, and we appreciate it. Yeah, persevering. (laughs) Emotional night in the Bowen household, watching another one slip away late for the Irish. Uh, I would say a hair slick on this Tuesday morning. It's probably our first day together, Andy, where we provide a little bit of updates roadways-wise uh, Two-hour delays, I would say majority of donut schools, donut counties, uh, a little bit of Indy as well. Not all of Indianapolis by any means, but certainly check that out uh, if it impacts your kind of morning routine. Uh, but yeah, I will speak for myself as someone that just really comes straight down Meridian, a little bit slick. Main road's not too bad, right? Uh, but I actually walked out and was like, oh wow, I didn't expect to see a dusting <laughs> on the ground and then... You drive on it, and you're like, man, just a little slick. So. little fishtail. Mark, you did a oh, little fishtail. I fish fish-tailed on 74 yeah. a little bit, and I got the fear of God put in me. So I was like, okay, <laughs> slow and steady. And again, for those that don't know, Mark, you're coming from the west side. Brownsburg, yep. Brownsburg, two-hour delay. I'm, e- I'm from the east side, from the yeah. East side. I thought I saw Irvington um, had a delay as well. Oh, yeah. I it's a little Warren sl- Township. It's a, it's a little slick over there. Yeah, I was surprised by it. I'm like, what's this? Had a delay. So certainly check that out. WIBC uh, will have you covered in any sort of delay standpoint. Uh, Andy, it's always one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, I was so bummed out a few years ago when it didn't last long, but we got like a couple of year cadence there where the Big Ten was like, yeah, IU and Purdue are only going to play once yeah, a year. Yeah, one time a year. I'm like, yeah. that's absolute bull, you know what? So I, I love that we get this twice a year. And what a night in Bloomington. Um, I think the psyches of the two teams are so, so different. You know, Indiana needs this, frankly, to get in the conversation of being a tournament team. They're not even in the conversation right now. They need it to get to that point. And then Purdue... You know, if they lose tonight, Andy, all of a sudden, you're three games back of Wisconsin in the loss column of the Big Ten. Purdue fans would probably say, well, let's actually think about now it's four or five we've lost to the rival. And Mike Woodson's like almost had Purdue's number uh, if you lose tonight. Four or five in this series for Indiana has not happened in a long, long no, time. It's actually, dramatic, yeah. Our guest coming up at 930, Tom Green, is the last one to get it done there over a decade ago. So... Uh, I, I cannot wait for tonight. It'll be one of the best atmospheres you'll ever experience. Uh, and obviously, Purdue will return the favor on a Saturday night coming up in February. But really, really looking forward to Bruce Weber joining us at 9, Tom Crean at 9.30, combined 27 years of this rivalry. I uh, cannot wait. And honestly, and a hat tip to you, I am stunned, stunned <laughs> that the line is at 9.5. Well, when you know, you know. I mean, what, I, I, what can I, I? What can I do, Kevin? When you know, you, you know. <laughs> you absolutely called it. I thought it'd be much. I honestly, I think it's much more of a three to five point sort of game. Uh, I cannot believe that Purdue is that big of a favorite, uh, especially when you know they've lost two 
Road games well, already. I think that's my storyline. Yeah, if they, if they lost tonight, they'd be one in three. You mentioned the Big Ten falling behind Wisconsin. Now you get to play Wisconsin, and it's a long season. It's still mid-January, moving to late January and everything else, KB. But no, I mean, Purdue would be one in three uh, on the season, on the road. Matt Painter, I mean, that would be something you would definitely have to look at in other teams on that schedule. I mean, listen, I tweeted something out this morning. Uh, but you can go to Ken Palm. I use Bracketologist. Uh, they do a good job of just, you know, even though Indiana obviously isn't in any sort of bracket uh, right now, they break down everything that the teams have done. And there's just, like, this is my overall thing. Purdue is going to have to play at a lower level, and Indiana is going to have to keep their big guys out of foul trouble. And one of these guards, uh, maybe both of them, maybe if Xavier Johnson is back and competent and not being, you know, Xavier Johnson, not being what he's been, there's not a stat where you sit there and say, you know, Indiana can rely on this and that, and that will win them the game. Uh, Purdue is just better everywhere. So I'm not surprised. Uh, some of the early numbers said this could actually be up to an 11-point spread. So you can get it right now as low as 9.5, 10 several places. But there's, I, I just, there's are just we nothing. ignoring the road? Like, are, are we ignoring Assembly Hall? And I don't know, maybe I'm too focused on what happened in last year's two games or prior history of this series. But, Andy, I... Yeah, that's it. Okay, go back to You're Purdue. You're right. Go back to Purdue last year. One of the more dominant Big Ten regular seasons you will ever see. They win the Big Ten by three games. Guess how many double-digit road wins Purdue had in conference last year? Because that's what you're saying tonight. You're saying that they need to go win if Vegas is right. You are saying that Purdue is going to go on the road and win by double digits. Right. One. They had one double-digit road Who was win, it? Was it, a, was, was, was it a bum? At the barn, which Purdue fans are probably okay. like, wait, at the barn, that's usually been a curse for us there. So, um, I, I, again, I was initially stunned when I saw that line. And, yeah, obviously the ED matchup speaks for itself and how IU handles that and Malik Renew and Khalil Ware. And, honestly, they're probably going to throw Patrick Spar. I mean, they are they, they are probably going to come come at you know Purdue with a lot of different bodies you would think to try and, you know, whatever, somewhat neutralize ED. And then I know I brought it up on a couple occasions yesterday, but how Purdue defends McKenzie and Baco, because you know, starting lineup-wise, that is a mass, massive height differential there. I'm curious if Cameron Heidi plays a little bit more for Purdue in trying to match that up, because I think you do bring up a very good point. If you look at Indiana winners three of four in this series, what have you seen in a couple of those wins? You've seen out-of-body experiences from Jalen hood Shafino in West Lafayette last year and Robert Fennessey two years ago in Bloomington. Who is capable of doing that for Indiana from a perimeter standpoint? Right. To it, me, it's Mbako or really no one else. But to me, it might be maybe Trey Galloway. Yeah. He, he would be one. Mbako yeah. definitely probably Mbako's the top been the one. one. coming on a little bit. Yeah. And again, on paper, he should have some sort of advantage there. How much can he take advantage of it? And, you know, if you look at last year's meetings, I mean, I am a huge Brainsmith fan. Uh, awful last year yep. in these two meetings. I think combined three of 18 if you look at the games in Bloomington and West Lafayette. So I cannot wait for tonight. Again, it is Peacock. It is the 218th meeting between these two teams. I do love the announcer lineup for those uh, viewing it. It'll be Noah Eagle and Robbie Hummel on the call tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, Noah Eagle, how old is he? He's like 27, 28 years old. I mean, he's pretty young, right? 
mean, he's good. I'm just saying he's pretty young. Yeah, I thought he, than I thought he was great. Jack Collinsworth, no eagle, <laughs> big time there. Big what time. game was old Jack on this weekend? Was he, or was he just was he just a halftime of the Peacock game? Roaming the sidelines of the Peacock. So you got Jason <laughs> oh, was, Garrett and Jack Collinsworth. They had a different in studio guy that I wasn't used to seeing. There. I didn't know who and he they was. Double dip Tarico. Yeah, they which did. I was glad to yeah, see. Yeah, that's always good. I feel like NBC needs to overhaul their in studio and their sideline people. In the offseason. I will ask you, Andy Sweeney, the same question I asked you probably midweek last week. Okay. Uh, over under one and a half coaching changes we see from playoff teams. And obviously, if you watched either of those two games yesterday, if you watched the postgame press conferences from either of the two losing teams, those questions were thrown towards the losing coaches. Mike Tomlin storms off the podium. Once he hears the question... Nick Sirianni plays it a little bit more political. Uh, one and a half openings, and really, there's probably three teams to focus on. It's Dallas, it's Philly, and it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. I'm going to say Mike Tomlin is around next year. Uh, if Mike Tomlin left, that would be on his own accord. I don't think he would ever be fired. I think Nick Sirianni will be back, and I think the Dallas Cowboys are the team to watch with Mike McCarthy. And I got to say, I mean, even last night, you're watching the Bills and Steelers, and we'll get to the Pacers here in a second because they just didn't have it last night, which we can dive into. I almost want to move on from that game, strike it from the record, uh, you know, a back-to-back out west, you know, not having – what top you know three of your top players including Tyrese Halliburton uh not sure how much you can look at that but what dogs of games just just this first round I mean isn't that the takeaway and I don't know if there's a hey if the Colts would have made it they would have been better dot 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 and, and all that and of course Houston made it over them and won the south and Houston is a hot team but I mean not one moment did you think that the Steelers were going to win that game, right? I mean, I didn't think they were going to win the game. They kept it close. They kept it respectable. Uh, the Bills let up. I mean, such a great start. I didn't think they were, you know, I mean, I'm mean, i looking at them thinking, okay, the Bills are going to win this game. And then the Eagles starting 10-1, losing 6 of their last seven. I'm surprised the fist pumping and bleep talking from Nick Sirianni uh, didn't carry them across the finish line. Something happened with that team. And I can tell you, Sirianni got pantsed this season in some sort of way. The loss of Jonathan Gannon to Arizona and the loss of Shane Steichen. Jalen Hurts, to me, looked like half the quarterback he looked like last year, which, hey, that's a good thing if you're a Colts fan. And again, we have seen Steichen here take over uh, create a culture and take Gardner Minshew and just a little bit of Anthony Richardson and be a snap, two, three snaps away from the postseason. But uh, I think I, I just I'm surprised how, how 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 lopsided some of these games were and how unprepared some of these teams looked and how you know we only got one close game the entire weekend and we had to wait to say you know Sunday night at 10 30 11 o'clock to get that close game it's unbelievable yeah 14 points of spread and five of the six um, I do really like a lot of the divisional storylines coming up this weekend but certainly wildcard weekend was a dud I mean Rams Lions complete dud lived up to it thankfully but outside of that you got nothing there. Nothing. And the Eagles had some fleeting moments there early in the third quarter with opportunities. Jalen Hurts, I don't know what the hell he was thinking on that safety. Um, yeah, just awful. Absolutely awful after a 10-1 start by the Eagles. Uh, I think I said it when Shaquille Leonard was waived. Um, if I were Shaq, I'd be putting the feet up, 
on the old couch for the rest of the season. Uh, the big goose egg last night for him. Did he Zero play? Zero snaps played. Okay, that's what I thought. He yeah, was I didn't see him out there. Uh, that's pretty stunning to see a player active defensively and not play a single of the 70 snaps in that game. So uh, just one road team wins if you look at the six wild card weekend games. That's surprising. Um, but again, I, I like the divisional slate from a storyline standpoint. Even the one game that, you know, on paper, like the market, the the TV markets might not love Detroit Tampa. I kind of like Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield matching up. I mean, two guys that were certainly written off by I mean, hell, both written off by the same team in the Rams. If you want to look at it that way, granted Matthew Stafford speaks for itself, but uh, that is a game that I'm looking forward to. Um, so how it'll look coming up this weekend? You'll get Ravens Texans to lead things off on Saturday at 4:30. Then that nightcap will be the 49ers and the Packers. Then you flip to Sunday. It'll be Lions. Uh, and Bucks at 3 o'clock, and then the nightcap will be the first road playoff game of Patrick Mahomes' career. Cannot believe the number's 15 games at home or neutral site. Super Bowls, of course, for Mahomes, and they will take on the Buffalo Bills. How about Bills Mafia yesterday? You knew they would show up. The field looked great. Stadium looked good. It was full. It looked miserable to me. I was still confused as to where all the snow in the stands was going. I'm like, where did that go? It looked like scene. I felt like I was watching like scenes from the Oregon Trail, watching these people get to their seats. Did you see God the dad? Bless him. You see the dad who was the Bills fan and the son that was the Steelers fan, and the dad was like, "Go ahead, son, pave the way to our seats." Yeah. Uh-huh. That was dad of the year mm-hmm. early yeah. here in 2024. Uh, and quickly, just last night, it's worth mentioning Pacers just. Blown out. Again, didn't score 30 points in a quarter. That's back-to-back games, KB, where they didn't do that. 132-105. We'll get to a bunch of sound, obviously, on the morning check down. But uh, at the very beginning, it was a bad start for the Pacers. And you kind of never really felt like they were in it. You did get to see Jarris Walker last night if he stayed up. Uh, Carlisle playing 14 different guys looking for answers. He talked about it after the game. Hey, I just kept substituting, right? I just kept subbing to try to find some sort of combination, but uh, no combination was there. And this Utah Jazz team, 22 and 20, 15 and 5 at home. Um, I'm not going to harp on the Pacers too much. I'm disappointed. We'll talk with Carlisle tomorrow. I'm not going to harp too much. You're in the altitude. It's a back-to-back, and you have two or three players. You just, I mean, with Halliburton, you can't sustain other injuries, and that's kind of where they are. Well, and last night, Benedict Matherin sprains the ankle there in the third quarter, so we'll certainly have to keep an eye on that. It's shocking how much he attacks the rim, how he doesn't get hurt more. I always feel that way about just how kind of reckless he is. In, uh, in attacking the basket there. So, yeah, no Aaron Neesmith, no Bruce Brown on top of the Halliburton injury last night. It's never good when I believe Carlisle took a timeout. I think it was 104 <laughs> into the first half. Yeah. And I believe it was 216 into the second half. Pretty urgent there by Rick I'm, Carlisle. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking here if I can get the time in the second half because I don't remember that. Those timeouts. Yeah. The second half timeout was, was a, a little quick, bit tr- later. It's a quick but, trigger. Um. Yeah, he, he certainly wasted little time there as the Pacers get rolled last night in Salt Lake City. So now the rest of the Western Conference trip looks like this. It'll be at Sacramento Thursday, at Portland, back-to-back Friday, and then they'll close it out in Phoenix coming up on Sunday. I had, I had the over of Buddy Heald of like 15 and a half He points. got off to a great start. He started off with 12, <laughs> he ended with 14. How the hell does no. that happen? I be- wasn't 14 the high for any Pacer? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a wild box score. He had, he and Nemhard had fourteen. Yeah, 
So he, so the over-under was, he said, 15 and a half? It was 15, and he had 12 in the first quarter. I'm like, boom, cash you were You were good to go. And nothing happened after oh, that. Oh, that's brutal. Bill Belichick visiting with yes. the Atlanta Falcons. If you missed that, that news came out late last night. So Harbaugh, Chargers interview, Belichick, Falcons interview. Do we get those absolutely massive dominoes to fall at all this week? And again, do we have any other teams in the coaching market, i.e. the Cowboys, the Steelers, and the Eagles, any of those, enter that here. As we get ready for the divisional round of the playoffs, Indiana-Purdue tonight, meeting number 218, Bruce Weber joining us at 9, Tom Crean at 9.30. Uh, The atmosphere in Bloomington tonight should be exceptional. Cannot wait for that one. We'll preview all of it with you. Here on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Again, for those that are just joining us, certainly a little bit slick on the roads coming in on this Tuesday morning. A ton of two-hour delays surrounding the city of Indianapolis, I would say, inside of 465. Not a ton of those delays, but still some. So certainly check that out if it impacts your morning routine at all. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Thanks for spending this Tuesday morning with us. All right, so let's start with the Pacers last night since they played, and then we'll dive into IU and Purdue. 132-105, that's your final. The Jazz over the Pacers. Now two straight losses for the Pacers. They dropped to 23-17 and on the year. That slow start. Here's Rick Carlisle postgame. I thought we got off to a poor start. You know, we, we did not have the defensive mindset that we needed to have at the beginning of the game. Their guards bullied us into the paint and scored repeatedly. Did a lot of substituting. And but they just got going, and it was just hard to stop their entire team. So, you know, starting off games, I don't care if we're back to back, I don't care if it's altitude or any of that stuff. We just we have to have the right mindset, the right uh, competitive attitude, and uh, didn't have it at the beginning of the game, and it carried through. Yeah, timeout again, a minute five into the game, another one two minutes into the second half from Rick Carlisle. It was a mad ant fourth quarter. It was heavy. Oscar Shibway, Jarris Walker, and Ben Shepard. There were moments that Jarris Walker looked like a lost puppy on the floor. Then there were some other moments I'm like, man, he's a lot more gifted offensively than I probably gave him credit for uh, entering the draft. So uh, now two days off for the Pacers here on their West Coast trip. Uh, it'll be a back-to-back coming up Thursday and Friday, Sacramento and Portland. As Andy said, Rick Carlisle scheduled to join us late tomorrow, trying to time up, obviously, uh, the big difference in time zones with uh, Coach Carlisle. So uh, looking forward to him tomorrow late in the show. Hit the slopes, maybe, as a team? Team slope trip? Uh, that's a great question. I, I I would guess for everyone's sanity, wouldn't you want to just head to Sacramento? I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe a little bit better. You guys ever ski? Is that something you guys? Let's go. Well, is that something you guys do? Do you ski? No, I, I am not a skier. I think they're banged up enough. Benedict Matherin sprained ankle in the third quarter. No Bruce Brown. No Aaron Neesmith. Uh, no. I am not on the slopes. I cross-country skied when I was a Cub Scout. I think that was about it. Well, I had to do that when I lived in Western New York. Are you a skier? Are you a Paoli no. Peaker? Uh, no. When I when I lived in Western New York, I had to do, it was part of the curriculum for gym class, was oh. was skiing outside. And then obviously I No moved, wonder they I survived moved. the elements yesterday <laughs> And then in I Buffalo. moved to Indiana and I never have had to do that again. I know Paoli Peaks, but it's like, how do you get good at that going down a hill really, really fast where if you mess up one time, you're going to tumble and break your spine? Yeah, we just shoot free throws. Yeah. You guys I'll just stick do to basketball. Ski. I always wonder how you'd find out you're good at those like those guys that do the ski jumps in the Olympics that like go like hundreds of feet off. Like how do you figure out you're good at that? 
Well, Such you a great try it at the first time. Like, how do you do it the first time? You yeah. either grow up there or you grow up in Utah or Colorado. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. From the United States. Feet, I'm doing it. Standpoint. <laughs> uh, speaking of Western New York, the Buffalo Bills moving on yesterday. There was one moment there, what, early fourth quarter, Pittsburgh cut it to seven. Yeah. Buffalo pretty seamless, though, in driving to stretch that lead. Back to two scores. Josh Allen, terrific. I do think James Cook gives him an added element. Curious that injury um, there for him. He got a little banged up late. In that one. Uh, then the nightcap uh, just kind of put the cherry on the top of a clunker of a super wild card weekend. It was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 32 to 9. Baker Mayfield outstanding in that one. Uh, five of six home teams win. Andy, we got five of the six games decided by 14 points or more. And now we wait. We wait for the white smoke, I guess, in Dallas a little bit to see if there's a move there. And then last night, what did you make of Mike Tomlin storming off the podium when asked about his contract? Yeah, I don't know. Mike Tomlin being a baby about that. I, I don't I don't understand. Do you think there's I mean, anything there? Have we reached the point? I think if you talk to Steelers fans, they will say enough of the national Mike Tomlin gets you to better than 500 every year. Uh, what, do they not want a playoff game in seven years? Right. Like that? Let me ask you this. If you're the Steelers, if you got rid of Tomlin... You're going to have to, I don't want to say settle, but you're going to have to get either one of these coordinators or what about Mike Vrabel? So does Vrabel pay, play a different style is it time than Mike for a Tomlin new voice? does? Is it just, I think Tom, I mean, Tom's a Hall of Famer. I just think he needs an offensive coordinator. He just needs a quarterback. Yeah. Right? And I, I mean, think a lot he, of people look at what Baltimore did this year. They injected some life with an offense coordinator, obviously some personnel. Um, that obviously has worked out really, really well for them. The Steelers is that had the what, worst offensive coordinator in the NFL. Is that what Pittsburgh needs here? So divisional round weekend coming up uh, here on Saturday. It'll lead off. It is a 10-point spread with the Ravens uh, over the Texans in that first one. Uh, it's also a pretty big spread uh, right around 10 with the Packers and 49ers on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, the Lions, 3 o'clock at home against Baker and the Bucks. Your Lions. That is a six-point favorite for the Fighting Campbells. And then the nightcap to round out the weekend. Uh, God, you know the Bills fans have to love finally getting Kansas City in their building. Uh, it'll be the Bills favored by two and a half against Patrick Mahomes in his first ever road playoff game. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of to the spot to where if, if the Bills lose this game against the Chiefs, I'm, I'm kind of done with them ever, <laughs> ever winning that game. The right? divisional round will kill. Yeah, those, like, those, come those on, let's go. Fun. I think all Bills four of injured, them have man. some great, great storylines. Bills did get banged up again yesterday, and they were injured going into the game. This is yeah. my favorite weekend of the NFL postseason, oh, usually. It, it has to be. Uh, just quickly, Bill Belichick uh, meeting with the Atlanta Falcons. I'm asking you because I don't know. How do you interview Bill Belichick? So did I see correctly? <laughs> it was on Arthur Blank's yacht. Oh, uh, was it like somewhere in the Caribbean? Oh, it better be. Where else would Where else would Arthur Blank be? There were on a, a yacht lot, in the Caribbean. There were a lot of interview <laughs> jokes going on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> oh, were Tell there? us a time you dealt with right. adversity down twenty eight to three and how you overcame that. Have have to take a off lo- my shoes. A lot of those jokes. I mean, I have been through an interview process where I even asked the person. I'm like. You really need to know a time where I've been through adversity. Like, really, I know it's on your sheet, but we're, that's that's where we're going, right? Like, that's that's. Did you get that, that job? Uh, no, was I don't that think here? I, it was not. Was that like, for this gig? Like, what are we doing? Come your on, questions suck, man. This, this question, this is this was written on a piece of paper decades ago. We got to have something better. There's got to be a new version of interview questions. By the way, Dan Quinn's interviewing with everyone. Washington, 
um, Atlanta, the whole group. So that's coming out. Titans. Dan Quinn is starting to line up his interviews. Seattle. Seattle yeah. yeah, a bunch of them. So. Tonight's college basketball speaks for itself. Indiana-Purdue from Assembly Hall. That tip is at 7 o'clock. Again, Indiana, nine-and-a-half point underdog in this one. Uh, Butler-Xavier tonight at 6.30. That's always been uh, certainly a rivalry of sorts. That Mata back to the Centos Center. Butler an underdog by about five and a half in that one. Xavier's not had a good season here with Sean Miller, but they did get a big win over the weekend at Providence. We'll see if Butler can get back on track. Plenty of Indiana-Purdue chatter. We'll do that on the other side. Bruce Weber, 9 o'clock. Tom Crean, 9.30, as we preview the 218th meeting between Indiana-Purdue. Coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Again, for those that have not been out here on this Tuesday morning, I would certainly just make a quick little check of uh, anything from a delay standpoint if school is involved. Uh, for your kids here on this Tuesday morning. A good amount of delays throughout the area, and I thought the roadway is just a hair slicker than I expected. The commute in for myself, just a couple of minutes longer than usual, so certainly account for that here on this Tuesday morning. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, it's cold and slick out right now, so be careful on the way in. KB's mentioned it a bunch. If you uh, if you don't know, go ahead and check. You might be on delay school-wise. You can always check out our sister station's website, WIBC.com. That's what yeah, I'm looking at and, right now. And WIBC traffic. Yeah. Mark, if you want to throw a retweet out there to WIBC traffic, yeah. I believe. I did on I our, show, our show of closings and delays. Just saw 65 northbound here downtown. There's a wreck. Uh, I know you had spoken to some slick highways coming in from the west side, 74. I thought the commute in just a little bit longer for myself this morning. So certainly even if you aren't, you know, school delay oriented or care about that here on this Tuesday morning, uh, just expect a little bit longer commute here. Uh, with some slicker roadways. Can I ask you guys this? Uh, we have like a meeting later on. I was going to ask, what happens if it dumps like a foot on us over <laughs> overnight? Usually we've gotten hotel stays before. Okay. But, but I mean, there we go. We'll Little see. JW Marriott. Mark, I mean, speak for yourself, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I cannot recall the show ever being canceled due to weather. No, it's not been canceled, but I, they've been like, hey, we'll, you know. Here's a hotel across the way, Hilton Garden. It, yeah. If they know it's going to be bad, right? right, right if they right, know it's right. like, hey, Which, it again, might I thought like this a... morning it was a little bit of like, oh, wow, I expected cold. By the way, it's not as cold as no. it was yesterday. Uh, I expected cold. I did not expect a little bit of flurry dusting, which, I don't know, I think kind of uh, that, uh, that stuff like coats the slickness underneath. So uh, be careful on this drive in here on this Tuesday. The one time we did do that, like, it was like, oh, that's at the Hilton Garden Inn on the circle. I'm like, okay, <laughs> drove all the way down here. It was hell. Got there. Forgot my wallet at home. Oh. So I turned back around and do the commute all over again. I forgot about that. That's brutal. That absolutely sucked. That's brutal. Okay. Little hotel room. I don't know. There we go. That's Get the kids in the indoor that, pool. That, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, saltwater so. pool at the Hilton Garden, and they I, loved it. I like that. So obviously a lot of IU Purdue uh, will keep following. Seem to be, you know, a couple days off for the Pacers. We'll see if anything comes out. NFL stuff. Back into this segment we can dive into. I have a, I have a Colts question and everything else. Uh, for me, KB, just to set... The stage for tonight, um, you know, with Indiana and Purdue, and you mentioned it right at the very beginning. To me, if we're going to take Indiana seriously at all this season, they got to build a resume. And they have, they've had close games. The Kansas game, they played, you know, it was a 35, 37 minutes of pretty good basketball. They're going to have to play 40 minutes of good basketball, and they're going to have to get 
some wins. And to me, I mean, you look at Ohio State, who, by the way, they beat. That was a quad one win. Well, Ohio State, after they lost to Indiana, does anyone know what Ohio State did? They went yesterday and they lost at Michigan, which is a terrible loss. I know it's a it's a rivalry game and it's Ohio State-Michigan, but Michigan stinks this season. That's no longer a quad one win for Indiana. So you look at them with a 12-5 and record, KB, 10 of those games, 10 10 out of the 12 are quad three or quad four wins. And and that's not, that's a nothing burger as Indiana fans know this. They're smart enough to know it. So for Indiana, and it isn't the same old big 10. Yeah, it's not. With I mean, decorated you have, you have quad Wisconsin, one opportunities. You have Purdue again, Illinois. So there are, but you're not going to win all those games. So if I list four teams who are top 25 teams or four or five games that are quad one wins, it, it, A, you'd have to go on the road to make sure they're going to be a quad one. And B, you're just not going to win all those games because you're not good enough. If we are going to say Indiana can make a run and try to get into this NCAA tournament, to, it starts tonight. I'm sorry, a team that you know, an atmosphere that's going to be a crazy and if you look at last year or the last couple years with Mike Woodson three out of four Mike Woodson has had some early success here with Purdue and for me for Purdue here's how I feel I have been very bold you know we had Bob Kravitz on what was it three weeks ago Kevin something like that and he th- he says hey I, I think Purdue is going to go to the final four and win the national championship and I was like okay there's a strong opinion I, I can't disagree with it I've seen college basketball and there's no reason Purdue should not make a, a run here coming up uh, in March but you know for me if they were to lose tonight you would be what uh, you'd be over two games behind Wisconsin. You'd be what four and three, four and two in the conference, or four and three. I need to look that yeah, up. Three, uh, four, four and three North in the Big Ten. You'd be one and three in true road games. And even though you have amassed six quad one wins, six and two in those quad one opportunities, there would be some worry, and there would be some worry also on hey, kind of. Why does Woodson have your numbers? So there's that component, the rivalry component. And then there's the, you know, for me personally, it would be the first time that I'm like, okay, Purdue's good. Purdue's awesome. They're still top, you know, four, five, six, seven team in the country. But are they the best? Are they going to be able to go on the road uh, and get some of these wins? To me, you lose tonight. I know the atmosphere. I know what this game means this rivalry means but to me I would I would KB probably start second guessing myself a little bit with my boldness if Purdue goes out there and doesn't play good basketball tonight yeah, honestly I think you probably make the argument right now you second guess a whole lot in college basketball with you see what happened at the top 10 last week uh UConn by the way the new number one ranked team in the land Purdue drops to number two um you know I the Zach Eady comment stood out to me from last year's game and for those that missed or you know, kind of forget what happened in Bloomington last year. Unbelievable first half from Indiana. They put up 50. Purdue makes a hell of a run. Had certain certainly chances at several points in the second half to even take the lead um, and couldn't quite get over the hump, and Indiana beats them in Bloomington. But Zach Eady afterwards said, you know, I felt like some of our guys were shocked by this environment. And if you look at Purdue's stat line from last year in Bloomington, again, a ton of turnovers from really everybody. It's not like you just really had one or two guys accounting for all of that. Now you fast forward to tonight and you look at the two lineups, you look at the rotations for both of these teams, Andy Purdue's got the guys that have been here and experienced what tonight's going to be about. Indiana really doesn't outside of Galloway 
and renew. So I'm curious that component to it. Again, I think Braden Smith's an All-American type of player. He did not play like that at all. Didn't even sniff it in these two matchups last season. Now, year two, how does the kid from Indiana play in Bloomington tonight? Um, I think what the difference will be is I just frankly think Purdue's more disciplined. And now being disciplined in these environments can test that. But I, I think something that Purdue does, does, does so darn well is if they feed Zach Eady early in a possession and it doesn't work, he gets doubled, You know he's got to dribble out of the double, and all of a sudden they chuck it back out to half court and they got to reset, they're still committed enough to throw it back into him right. later in the shot clock. And now you test the team's discipline on the other end. Now you're testing IU to say, hey, it worked early. Now can you do it again? And that's where I don't think Indiana can do it for 40 minutes tonight. I think it'll be a great game. I, again, I, I think the line of 9.5 is is really just a huge number, and I don't think it should be that big of a spread. But I think Purdue will be able to be the more disciplined team in that area. But obviously, how does Indiana guard Edie? Do you stay out of foul trouble? Um, you know, Do you look at it? If you're Purdue and you say, "All right, I actually want Edie to guard Renew because Renew is more likely to be closer to the back uh, to the basket, whereas Khalil Ware might be a little bit more willing to shoot threes. I know Renew has obviously shot some threes as well. That I think is an angle to it all. And then, as we've said uh, throughout today's show and certainly yesterday, I just think the McKenzie and Baco matchup is a must for Indiana to try and pull this upset because if you look at Nebraska and Northwestern, both of those games, Northwestern and Nebraska kind of out-of-body experiences from behind the arc. You know, I think Nebraska was like 14 of 23 or something crazy. Northwestern was 10 of 20. Indiana has not done that. And if they have, it's North Alabama. So doing it against North Alabama versus Purdue, totally different when you're ranking 340th in three-point you know, attempts, makes, however you want to define it for this season. Um, so in order to pull off that upset, again, it's got to be one of these crazy nights in Assembly Hall and uh, you know, in winning two of three now, um, or three of four, I guess, you know, they have gotten that out of a fantasy, out of a hood Shafino. Outside of Mbako, though, I just don't see who that guy is for Indiana tonight. Uh, what do I tell you? What, let's do this. Let's play the Mbako sound. Matt Painter was asked yesterday about Mackenzie Mbako. Here's what he had to say about him and how much better he's got here over the last couple weeks. You try to break his rhythm, like you know, he's a rhythm shooter. He's a guy that can catch and shoot. He's he's shown as he's gotten more acclimated to college basketball that his decision making is much better, especially when he puts the ball on the floor. You know, he's the top 15 player in the country. I mean, it speaks for itself. He's a very talented. He's got good physical ability. He's got a good skill level. Now his decision making is better. His defense is better. That's where he struggled. You know, the first five, six, seven games of the year, you know, it, it cost him minutes because he wasn't ready to defend. And now he's doing a much better job. He's on his line. He's aware. He knows what's going on. He knows what Mike wants. Um, at least it looks that way, right? You know, for a young guy, it's hard. It's it's always hard. But you know, you, you got to have that kind of a talent, and that kind of skill in the game. So as a coaching staff, they look like they've gotten that figured out, and he's really made progress in that area. I think he's got to be 16-plus tonight for Indiana to have a chance late. And, and again, that matchup. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer at times, you know, lately here, has been benched. Um, so is that more Cameron Heidi? I like what Heidi's given Purdue uh, in some minutes where it's been a little bit more of an expanded role. But you're talking about a 6'8", 6'9", guy. And even if Lawyer's guarding him, that's a big height advantage. Certainly if Lance Jones is guarding him, it's a huge height advantage there. So that is a matchup that I'm keeping an eye on. It just... Edie in foul trouble. I, I don't. 
there's been really no need to bring it up, Andy, because he's been so good at avoiding fouls. But if you look at the Illinois game, even a little bit of the Nebraska game, he has battled a little bit of foul trouble here as of late. And obviously, if you're Purdue, you just don't want any sort of ticky-tack. Even just that that two in the first half, where if you've got to play six or seven minutes without him for some reason, you know that can obviously be a huge difference. Uh, I'm interested in like big-picture things. Like If Indiana were to lose tonight, and let's say that Purdue comes in there and they cover the spread, people are not happy at Mike Woodson, right? Oh, and, no. I mean, would, they're not happy. No. In no way. I mean, again, Indiana losing by double digits would be a, a, a really catastrophic, really embarrassing well, I, performance. I, I guess here, here's here's my biggest problem, and it's the reason this game is fun. There, There is no stat out there, and there are very few matchups out there, Kevin, where Indiana wins this game. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what, what else to say other than that. I mean, if you look at the way they guard the threes, if you look at how many threes are made, if you look at rebounds, if you look at who they beat, if you look at scoring offense, scoring defense, scoring margin. I mean, Purdue's scoring margin 16. Indiana's is 1.8. I mean, just go down Ken Palm or any of these uh, stat-based websites to track these things. Indiana is... Uh, in this game, in underdog, you've you, you you've kind of asked the question: Well, why is it nine and a half? Why is it ten? Why some places do they think it's even ten and a half, eleven? And that's because Indiana has been bad this season. Indiana has not been a good team. They just got inside with that Ohio State, Minnesota back those back to back wins. They just got inside the one hundred for the net rankings. They're currently ninety seventh. They're ninety first. Uh, in Ken Palm, produce three in Ken Palm, produce three in the net. I mean, to me, when we've talked about Indiana, what what have the what have the conversations been? It's been uh, it, it's been atmosphere and crowd. It's been who can who can go crazy, right? We've mentioned it, whether it's Trey Galloway or Mackenzie and Baco. Uh, we've mentioned that, and then just mentioning Mbako, it's a guy who has been good but he's been inconsistent at times, and there have been questions about how good he is, right? I mean, this season. So it's not like he's locked in. Now listen, Rutgers, Minnesota, back-to-back games. He's played over 30 minutes. He had 13-5 and and 19-4 and in back-to-back games, and so maybe there is growth. I would add, you know, we just talked about, and I know it's at home, but we just talked about the Purdue guards, the young Purdue players last year having those issues on the road. I know it's at home, but you know, Mackenzie and Baco, what if what if he's what if he's feeling that pressure, right? What if sure. he's and, he, if he's juiced up and he's 0 for six to begin things in the yeah, first I mean, half. Six or eight, seven of nine, everyone to look at it. A huge chunk of the Indiana rotation has never experienced oh, yeah. what they will it, it, it just tonight. Even the Kansas game. I mean, Kansas was obviously a rocking atmosphere and everything, but it's different. I mean, tonight is different. I mean, hell, I don't know, maybe there's some guys on IU that can't pick Purdue out of a map, maybe because they aren't from Indiana. They don't maybe realize fully what this game means to so many people in this state. But, you know, if you look at last year, and probably Braden Smith more so than Fletcher Lawyer, because I think Lawyer at times in the Big Ten season, he just ran out of steam. But, you know, Braden Smith, to look at last year's meetings and see three of 19, it's stunning to me because, again, I think he is so poised. I think he is the guy that you want kind of quarterbacking things. Um, How he handles it and how much in control he can be, I, I think is just a massive storyline. And again, how does Indiana choose to guard him? Uh, I assume 
Gabe Cups will again get the start. I, I see no reason why Xavier Johnson would have all of a sudden earned his starting job back after his performance on Friday what's, night. By the way, what's Xavier Johnson in this game? Well, that's... I mean, we haven't mentioned yeah, him. I, I mean, mean is, is he benched? Is he... I mean, because we agree that... I think he's in a very similar role he was on Friday like night, their, right? Their guards have to get in the lane. That's what they did last year in the matchup. Like The Indiana guards have to be able to win that battle sometimes and get in the lane and either make a, a mid-range shot or kick out, and that comes down to the three-point shooting of Indiana, which has been woeful for about 90% of this season. I mean, Brain Smith also, the last two games, good assist numbers, probably low scoring numbers, if you look at it a little bit, 6-10, and 10, the, the, you know, the last two games. Yeah, but what was he saying? Like, Saturday, you'd sign you know, up for that right away. What was he, 11 assists yeah, and, like, two turnovers? Yeah, I mean, I mean if he pulls it, out that tonight, and again, wins. Yeah, probably, and again, it's... It's a 20-25 point game so much of that time. You know, yeah. Purdue's in that game knowing they're not losing to, to Penn you know, State. Do you put Galloway on Braden Smith? Do you want to get a little bit more length there and say, all right, Gabe Cups, you know, you chase Lance Jones around or you even chase Lawyer around. You know, obviously Lawyer would have a height advantage there. But I'm interested in that. It just, to me, if you look at what has beaten Purdue this season, it's two just big-time shooting performances from Nebraska and Northwestern. IU has shown zero ability yeah. Volume-wise, to do it, you know, IU can have a night which it doesn't happen very often, where they go whatever three of eight, four of nine from three. But again, if you look at what Nebraska Northwestern did, it's double-digit makes. It's over fifty percent from behind the arc in that. And um, it, it, again, it's just two different psyches, Andy. Like you laid out IU's resume or lack thereof is probably the better way to put it. They have to have it just to even sniff the conversation. Whereas if you're Purdue. It's a little bit more of a, if you lose this, all of a sudden you're three games back in the loss column of Wisconsin. Right. Wisconsin is undefeated right now. You're a bad road team if you lose tonight. In the Big Ten. And, you know, it's a little bit, maybe your fan base cares about this more than Matt Painter leaving in the living in the moment of, you know, game by game season. You'll have lost four or five to Indiana. Right. And that hasn't happened in over a right. decade. So, uh, I, I just think the psyches are very different entering tonight. Again, it is a nine and a half point spread. I'll echo... What I said to lead off the show, that number is a bit shocking to me. If you look at last season, Purdue with one of the best Big Ten years you'll ever see win the conference by three games. They only had one road win last year by double digits across their Big Ten schedule. That's what Vegas is calling for tonight in Bloomington. Bruce Weber joining us at 9 o'clock on the bench with Gene Cady from 1980 to 1998. Tom Crane, of course, the head man for the Hoosiers from 2008 to 2017. That's 27 years combined experience in this matchup. Cannot wait for those conversations. Bruce Weber at 9, Tom Crane at 9.30. We'll sprinkle in some Colts and some NFL coming up in the 8 o'clock hour as well, we did see a notable player, it looks like, uh, retiring from the NFL. We'll share that news on the other side. It is the wake up call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5, the fan. Big nine o'clock hour coming here on the wake up call. Tom Crean going to join us. Bruce Weber going to join us in the nine o'clock hour. We'll get you ready, obviously, for the matchup tonight between the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers. We'll uh, we'll be talking about that a lot today. We'll get to some NFL talk here in just a second. You know, we are talking during the break, uh, and you guys help me here because you are veterans uh, in this. But our friends over uh, at WIBC, you can also check out their traffic on Twitter at WIBC Traffic. I'm 
I'm looking at it right now, uh, out in Brownsburg, what eastbound 74 right now is closed between, it looks like 267 and Green Street. That's about where you were, was it not, Green Mark? Street is literally my exit. That's where you fishtailed? That's where I fishtailed. Yes, there's <laughs> okay. black ice for sure. So there's, I've been to the Tequila Sunrise over there, Mark. Ooh, there there you go. That is a solid stop. Books and brews as well. Uh, yes, te- right in that te- shopping center. Tequila's well? one of those for me. It's... Ooh. Ooh, I'll stick to I'll stick to my bourbon and my beer. Could That's be a dark what, that, night that, that, if you're going I'll tequila. I'll stick to my bourbon. I'll stick to my beer. Know what lane uh, you need to stay in? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I-65 downtown crash northbound 65 between Meridian and West Street uh, as well. Left lane block there. Now that was like 30 minutes ago. So again, IBC is completely uh, is going to have you covered, but delays. You know, leave early, slow and steady, as Mark would say. Yeah, it's nasty out I, again, there today. Leave a little bit earlier for uh, for me, and I'm speaking from someone that lives, you know, you know, kind of like Butler or Broad Ripple area. Um, the commute wasn't too bad. It was a little slicker than I expected, though, and a little bit longer. And certainly, if school delays any of that uh, could involve your morning routine, check that out because certainly the Donut Counties, pretty much everybody it seems like, is under some sort of delay, and even a few Indianapolis schools, not all of them by any means. But certainly a few there. So I know Ashley chimed in here from the Decatur area coming up to Butler. She mentioned a little bit longer commute for her. So uh, safe travels here on this Tuesday morning. Thankfully not as cold as it was let, yesterday. Granted, eight degrees feels like <laughs> you know I should wear sunscreen here on this Tuesday let, morning. Let me let me ask you this: What's the etiquette uh, if you have a sidewalk in front of your home? Which I do not actually. Okay, we're street parking uh, where I am in Irvington. I have a sidewalk that leads up from the street to you know to my front steps, if you will, to my front porch. What is the sh- snow shoveling etiquette? You have. Sidewalk in front of your house. I do, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you guys say tell me what's the etiquette? Is, yeah, when you get home today, I would say a little yeah. shovel. Yeah. Okay. I now I need to raise my hand and admit something. Does it doesn't hurt anybody? I, I left, Certainly, maybe a little <laughs> salt down, some pet friendly salt. <laughs> yeah. I, I yes, I have some of that. I left my shovel in Southern Indiana with the old home. I am shovelless right now what in Indianapolis. Yeah. I don't know, and I was going to go out moving and, to Miami. Well, I was going to go out and get one, but uh, I didn't. I was lazy, and now I'm kind of caught with my pants down. It's okay. We have about an inch of snow. That's fine. So the but new the owners are like, "What the inch. hell am I doing with the shovel?" <laughs> yeah, it's a cheap one too. My my father in law was like, "Do you want to take it with you?" I'm like, "No." Look at that thing. Nah, don't worry about it. I'll get one. I'll go up to Home Depot when it, once. Uh, I'll go to Menards once I get to Indianapolis. And it never happened. And here we are. We'll see what State Road 37 69 looks like <laughs> tonight for the commute down to Bloomington again. Uh, it is Peacock 7 o'clock for this matchup. Uh, Purdue will get the second meeting in West Lafayette coming up on a Saturday in February. Uh, later this year, I think that's an eight o'clock tip, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Again, as Andy said, Bruce Weber, Tom Crean, long long history on the sidelines for these matchups. They're going to join us here coming up in the nine o'clock hour. I um, did want to get to a little bit of a lingering kind of Colts item. I posted something yesterday on basically why Gus Bradley uh, is returning, and for those that missed it, Chris Ballard, uh, you know, all but confirmed it last weekend, saying Gus is under contract for 2024. And uh, it, the expectation is he will be back for a third season as defensive coordinator. Pretty much Ballard took full blame for the scoring issues. Uh, for those unfamiliar, a 28th in scoring defense each of the last two seasons. Uh, you hear Shane Sykin describe the Gus Bradley, I don't know, evaluation. And he says the word continuity. Is it too harsh to say I think that's such a lazy word to use in backing someone? 
Yeah, I just don't care. Uh, Coach Venturi talked about this uh, in, you know, Colts Roundtable. He talked about it when he was on with JMV. I mean, go go look at the playoff teams this year in the NFL. Uh, they did the opposite of continuity. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, all these teams, they changed things around. The Chiefs moved in a new offensive coordinator. Uh, the Cowboys have shuffled things around. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. The Bills fired their well, offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. So did the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Shane Steichen is not the head coach here if Nick Sirianni believed in continuity, right? Yes. Wouldn't Sirianni boy, have and kept... Boy, and Sirianni needs Wouldn't Sirianni Steichen. have kept the play-calling yeah. duties? Remember, it was yeah. halfway oh, through sure. that first season sure. when Sirianni said, enough's enough, uh, I need to do something different, and then Shane Steichen slid into that play-calling chair. So I just... To me, that's not the biggest ringing endorsement. Is it? Is it his decision? Do we know? I think that's the one lingering question. Whose decision is it that Gus Bradley is for sure staying next year? I would greatly, greatly, greatly hope it is Shane Steichen. Greatly hope. I mean, he but is we the don't know. head coach of the football team. Right. It would be meddling, frankly, in my opinion, from Chris Ballard if you did not let your head coach decide who his coordinators will be, who his assistant coaches will be. Uh, I was watching the Manning cast last night, and by the way, I vote for Bruce Arians as a frequent, frequent guest on the Manning cast. I don't know if you guys caught it last night, but oh, yeah. Arians was outstanding. And, you know, Peyton said something to the effect last night in talking about Todd Bowles and that Tampa defense of, you know, Bruce, this is the type of defense I hated playing against. Exotic. I don't know where it's coming from. And if you watched Jalen Hurts last night, he sure as hell did not know where it was coming from and did not handle it well. And I guess that is my disagreement with how Gus Bradley approaches defense. Again, Chris Bauer takes the blame. But schematically, I think you can do some things to help kind of offset whatever personnel deficiencies you might have, whether that's with disguise, whether that's with coverage, whether that's with blitzing, however you want to look at it. And I feel like if you talk to NFL coaches, and it's something that I have done, they would say preparing for the Colts defense ranks on the easy meter when you compare them to the rest of the 31 NFL teams. And you know, obviously there's a stat that jumps off the page. And again, I don't want to act like it all was horrific with Gus Bradley last year. But there's a stat that jumps off the page of franchise record in sacks. That is the big calling card that you hear from last season. The Colts finished last year ranked 8th in sacks uh, compared to the rest of the NFL team. So obviously, that's a very nice number. But Andy, they were 28th in hurry percentage, which to me is more of a how consistent is your pressure. Can you dial it up on a frequent basis? Sacks can be fickle. Um, you know, one or two here or there. Yes, they're big plays, but again, to me, it's more of consistent pressure. And when you are the least blitzing team in the NFL, which the Colts were last year, and you rank 28th in consistent pressure, hurry, percentage, however you want to describe it, that stands out to me. And too often last year, I thought opposing players had kind of career games against you as well. Oh, that would did. be another well, wide receivers walk in and have and have big days. That wasn't just Nico Collins that did no, that no, at the end of the Puka season. Nakua did early in the yeah. year. You know, DeAndre Hopkins season high was against you. I think Devontae Adams, the second highest of his season, was against you as well. So um that element is, you know, if you look at Wild Card Weekend of the six teams that advanced, you're gonna face four of these quarterbacks next season. You know, you're facing Josh Allen. You're facing C.J. Stroud, of course, twice. You're facing Jared Goff. You're facing Jordan Love. You're even going to see, you know, Tua next season. So the quarterback slate is going to get a lot, lot tougher here. Um, those are probably some of my issues that, yeah, you know, personnel, 
maybe it's not the greatest in the secondary, and there was a big youth movement, but I just don't think schematically uh, you have created enough of an advantage or attempted to create enough of an advantage there to offset personnel. Yeah, I guess my my thing was, and, and I don't have full clarity on two things, but let me dive into the first one. Can you keep Gus Bradley and can you tinker well, you're keeping Gus Bradley, in keeping Gus Bradley, I should say. Can you tinker with some stuff schematically? Because I'm not even as hot takey on Gus Bradley as I am kind of the scheme that he represents. Does that make sense? Like, if you. When is a coach a coach, though? And when is a coach too stubborn to change? Well, I mean, I Gus mean, Bradley's been what? Defensive coordinator for over a decade well, sure. in the league. And listen, we've talked about that with other coaches. We talked about that with Mike Tomlin. If Mike Tomlin was gone from the Steelers, it would be because, you know, he's going to, you know, hire kind of bum offensive coordinators. I mean, that's what he's done and why they've been pretty, you know, constipated on offense for a while. So if you bring Gus Bradley back, are you getting the same Gus Bradley? And I tend to think the answer is probably yes. And then the other thing that I ask you, and I still don't know if this is Shane Steichen's a total decision or not, but if Shane Steichen looked at the defense and how non-exotic they are and not creative they are and all these different things, he looks at his own offense. That's not the way he coaches his, quote-unquote, his side of the football, is it? You've mentioned this. Right. Every, every time yeah, we brought this up. Philosophically, he is a lot different than Gus Bradley. Now, is that how he views offense versus defense in today's it's, NFL? It's a, it's, a great, it's a great point. I, I mean, to me, it's not even Bradley. It's just, it's kind of what the defense, their personality, their scheme, and what they represent. And I see Shane Steichen, who will go for it on fourth down, who will be, you know, who I think, and you saw it, even with Anthony Richardson, even though it was such a small amount of time. I mean, did you see Anthony Richardson? I mean, they were doing some different things there. They were doing things that were tricky. I mean, early in the season when, you know, he'd run his punt team out and then run the offense back out and make you call a timeout, doing those sorts of things. We see that. We expect that from the offensive side of the football, but we don't on the defensive side of the football. Here's what it also has done. For as much as this team believes that they are on the precipice of something, and I understand that. Now, will that happen? Anthony Richardson, you know, he didn't go through a lot, almost any of the rookie pains this season. He's going to have to do that. The schedule is going to be more difficult next year than it was this year. Plus, you don't know who's going to be on the team, right? You, you mean, you, we don't know. We don't know which free agents are they're going to pick up from their own team, how much money they're going to spend, how the draft class that comes in, are there going to be guys that can play immediately, or you have four or five guys that basically need to sit a year. He, here's what it's done going into this offseason now and you know into next year. It's given Colts fans a a guy to complain about. Keeping Gus Bradley has done that, has it not? That this year I didn't really feel that that was the case. There was no, hey, we're kind of zoned in on this. Indiana fans are zoned in right now on Mike Woodson. If something goes wrong, it's Mike Woodson's fault. It doesn't matter. It's Mike Woodson's fault. Colts fans are going to be zoned in and watching Gus Bradley and that defense. And if it's changed or if it's the same, and if it is the same, then you get into, can you replicate the sack numbers 
that you did last year because that's the number that's always thrown back at you. If you say, well, I mean, you know, you know, what about the defense? Would you change this or that? Well, well I mean, they were top 10 in sacks and they yeah, had the most I, sacks they've ever I had, think it's KB. deeper than that. I, I, again, I think the consistent pressure, I mean, to be 29th in hurry rate, that to me is more of a consistent pressure. Was there a moment there in the third quarter last Saturday against Houston where you dialed it up? Did you sack C.J. Stroud a couple times? Yeah, but over the course of 60 minutes, were you a consistent pressure team? No, not at all. I'd say in the first, second, and fourth quarter, it was library quiet around creating that pressure on Stroud. Do you agree with Ballard? Ballard takes blame. I committed to the youth movement. I signed up for this. I traded away Stephon Gilmore. I wanted to play the youth card in the secondary. Do you take his word and say, yes, that is the reason for the 28th scoring defense in the NFL, despite playing 10 rookie or backup quarterbacks in 17 games? Partially, but do we expect this to be a defense that we're going to consider to be super aggressive and flying around next year? You don't, do you? I mean, it's going to look a lot like last year, right? This that, coming season? I mean, don't you... Now, Ballard had comments throughout Thursday's presser that he would say, we're going to have long conversations about that. And, you know, you can look at a few things and see that Gus mixed it up a bit. Now, a bit for him is like, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, me taking tequila shots, uh, <laughs> to go back to your analogy. Yep. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I'm not holding my breath for grand changes. I just think there is these... There's a bit of a misconception on, like, what the personnel looks like defensively in that they haven't invested a lot. I mean, like, I see first, second, and third round picks all over this defense. I see major money invested at several of these spots. Obviously, the blockbuster trade for DeForest Buckner. I get that you committed to some youth at at corner, but I just don't see it as much as maybe uh, others do with it. Uh, But certainly, it's going to be a huge, huge thing because, Andy, they could average... The same number of points allowed next season, and given the quarterback slate, we could walk away from that and think, hey, this defense is playing a little better because the quarterbacks are such an uptick. I looked it up last week when I was posting a story. Again, this is up on article form 1075thefan.com, but I was looking up, um, if you look at I think it was the top 15 quarterbacks and quarterback rating from this past year. I think the Colts faced two of them last season, and coming up in 2024, they'll face five of them. So, again, you had, I thought, a extremely manageable quarterback slate, particularly late in the year, this past season. That is not likely to be the case for you next year. How does your defense react to that? Uh, Rick Venturi was on with JMV. Okay to play this? This is about a minute or so, KB. I want you to take a listen. What needs what needs to change? We, we understand kind of what they were last year, but what needs to change on defense? Here's what Coach had to say. What the Colts need to do, they need to be a much more challenging coverage team and a much more ca- coverage a blitz team. They are 79% zone, which is number one. That's the highest percentage of zone, and it's not a matchup zone. Okay, they're 14% in blitzes, which is last in the league. So there's not pressure and there's not contested passes. So in order to contest passes, you have to go from an area code, every area zone team underneath to a hard match team. You've got to play more man-to-man combinations where you press and you have to get 
six specific game plans for receivers. Every receiver that's come in here for two years has had a career day. I mean, if you're going to play, if you if you're going to play Collins and he's the only guy, you're going to roll up on him or you're going to man and double him every single down. And if he doesn't get 195 yards, how do they beat you? You know. But I mean, again, it's it's a contested scheme, both often, both in the front. We we play that over defense 90% of the time. We finally got into a little bit of bear late, which everybody else is doing. But we're a predictable front every down. Again, 14% pressure and non-contested coverages. So, I mean, if you ask me the answer, you change all that. You have to change all that if you're going to be better and if you're going to be a championship defense. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Nico Collins, season high, Andy, uh, Rashid Shaheed, remember him from the Saints? Oh, yeah. Went over the top a couple times against oh, yeah. his season high. Including the game winner. Uh, Who did we feel bad for in that game? Was it Tony Brown that, was that Tony we felt Brown. bad for? Uh-huh. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, season high. Puka Nakua, Devontae Adams, second highest of the season. So, yeah, I mean, how much? Because, again, if you listen to Chris Boward, he would say it's a lot more personnel-centric on that end. Um, do we see any involvement? From Gus Bradley, and, and do you demand that? Because I think that's the thing that that's the question. Shane Sykin cannot lose sight of. Of like this, it, what do you want defensively? You are the head coach. Like, don't forget that. You know, I thought fourth and one play call was a little bit more offensive play caller and not head coach thought. That is, hey man, this looked great on a Wednesday or Thursday at West Fifty Sixth Street when you get in the course of the game and Minshew had overthrown Tyler Goodson the one other time they tried to hook up earlier in the game, and Tyler Goodson hadn't touched the ball yet. I don't know if that's what I want to do with the season on the line. That's the question I have here is, can you put the the head coach hat on and say, do we need a championship-level defense? Because if you look at some of the weather these AFC games faced, and both of them are going to be outdoors coming up this weekend, you're going to have to bring a pretty much a championship-level defense at some point. I mean, you go back to, I found it fitting last night, it was Peyton Manning and Ray Lewis uh, in the second half of the Manning cast, when you go back to that 06 Super Bowl run, the Colts won a game without scoring a touchdown. They scored 15 points. Then a Terry, five field goals to beat the Ravens in round two on the road in Baltimore. You've got to be able to win ugly. Yes, it is as much of it's a pass-happy offensive league. When you get in the month of January, particularly with how many AFC teams play outdoors, you're going to have to do that. Ray Lewis was absolutely disgusted by the Eagles' attempt to tackle last night. <laughs> Boy, too. it was bad, wasn't it? He was it? like Peyton Manning watching a bad quarterback play. And they have a lot of money and high picks Those dedicated to that defense. The, 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 the tackling from the Eagles was an abomination. And again, Shaq Leonard last night dressed. Nothing. Yeah. Zero snaps played. 70 defensive snaps for the Philadelphia Eagles. They did not have Shaq. And at one point, Andy, he was playing. He was playing a decent role yeah. for them in December. Uh, zero snaps. Listen, I, I know Leonard time. is is beloved here. I get it. I just remember after he had he had a I won't say a nice game, but he had a few tackles in one of their games early. It might have been after the Giants. I can't even remember that that he was, you know, how everyone's trying to spit on his name and do everything like that. It's like, okay, why don't you string together uh two good games and why don't you start a game and then we'll get to that. Do you think you think Shane Steichen totally knows what he wants on defense? I mean, he is a first-time head coach. I just throw it out there because... I would hope. He strikes me as a pretty smart individual. Well, I would hope that I, I do somewhere too, in the old blueprint when you but, present it for a head coaching search that you describe uh, what you want uh, defensively. Agreed, but I don't feel like defensively, everything that's went into Gus Bradley and the way they play, 
kind of fit Shane Steichen. That's just how it's how I feel. Yeah. I, I, I and I don't I don't know if I'm right with that. It's just kind of a gut feeling. It doesn't fit him when you put like the offensive hat on, but maybe this is what he wants. Maybe he views it and says, you know what? No, no, no. Be vanilla. Play way back. Try to keep everything in front of you. And that's the issue of like, if that is the thought process, I thought the Colts got burned over the top way too often. Well, yeah, Nico Collins can't be running season. wide open for a 75 I mean, yard times touchdown. Mike Evans was r- oh, wide running open. wide yeah. open. We wide open. Shahid a little bit earlier. Obviously, Pukunaku on the biggest play of the game in, in overtime. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a great it's a great question to ask Shane. Um, again, his answer, I, I if I'm Gus Bradley or, hell, I'm reading the room, I don't consider it the greatest ringing endorsement in the world that continuity is the word that he uses in terms of his evaluation of Gus Bradley. Well, if if you're a Colts fan, just a couple more things, we'll get to a check down. You know, if you're, a, I don't think this is where we are. I mean, I think this year it's going to be Gus Bradley. The only way it's not Gus Bradley is if, one of these openings, someone wants Gus, right? And on some of these openings, there's a bunch of coaches, um, you know, out there that are going to be taking over from Atlanta to Tennessee to Washington to the Raiders, and just keep going down the list. Would there be, you know, back in Seattle? Would there be somebody um, that maybe Gus reads the kind of reads the room here, and maybe it's a better uh, spot for him? He's got elsewhere. a pretty good ear. He's yeah. the play caller, and the GM takes blame for I, it. I, listen, I'm with you. The other things I would say would be, okay, let's give them, for now, the benefit of the doubt. And by them, I mean, let's give Steichen the benefit of the doubt, and then on top of it, let's give Chris Ballard the benefit of the doubt that that this was you know, on Ballard. Okay, well, next year, those young corners are an entire year older. They're an entire offseason season of coaching and training and everything else. So you would imagine, we always do this, and it doesn't always happen, that when a guy goes from year one to year two or year two to year three, they do what, Kevin? We, we automatically think they're going to do what? They're going to get better, right? Don't we automatically do that? So I'm, I'm kind of doing it here that, okay, the young players, the youth movement that Ballard talked about and has talked about, okay, now now it's now it's growing up. Now they've got all of those reps. Now they have an entire offseason, and they're growing up. And the second thing, this would be the last thing I would say on it, is when they throw the number of sacks in your face of – not everything was bad, and it's it's a high number. I understand it. If they were more aggressive, and they if they had more than generic fronts or four man fronts, how much higher would their sack total be then? In other words, it's good. Oh, you might have great ratings for uh, and again a, a radio show. I don't go well, to can s- it be better? I, I don't go to the sack total that needs to change. I go to consistent pressure. You can't be 29th in hurry rate in the NFL. Not if you're that high in sacks and that low in hurry rate. That means it is feast or famine, and you cannot be that. You have to get a little bit more consistent pressure, against, especially against these quarterbacks. I mean, those are feasts. You should have been foaming at the mouth facing some of these quarterbacks, getting more, again, 10 of your 17 games against rookie or backups. That's not going to be there in 2024 for you. Uh, by the way, we tease this leading into the segment. Uh, Jason Kelsey sounds like he is hanging it up here. Uh, after this season, 36 years old, certainly going to be a Hall of Famer there. So uh, one more run with the Eagles trying to get over the hump there, and they did not get it done. How about the tush push getting stopped last night? (laughs) The old two-point conversion tush push. Do you see this smile on my face? 
I know it's not. Listen, people. How happy Indian, are you? People of Indianapolis. So you were not chanting SEC. You were oh, not chanting NFC no. East. I, I, You're I very happy to see the Eagles. I don't believe in that. I don't believe like Mark's got two NFC North teams <laughs> yeah, left. That's He's fine. carrying don't the flag. That's fine. He can do that to each their own. Like I used to cover Kentucky football, KB, and they chant SEC when Georgia or Alabama would do well. That's not me. Watching the Dallas Cowboys implode, and then the next night watching Nick Sirianni, who who. You know what Nick Sirianni's good for is fist pumping that and yelling at crowds and yelling at Indianapolis crowds and yelling at Kansas City crowds and to watch him be completely lost, completely lose his team. He lost six out of seven. The only team he beat was the lowly New York Giants and Tommy DeVito. I don't know if it was Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets, or if it was Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, you know, limping his way through a football game. Beat DeVito's agent too. To watch exactly. To watch those two teams fall on their face. I mean, that's like a Colts fan watching the Titans or the Patriots or all these teams fall on their face. Something happened in Philadelphia. You don't lose six out of seven with that personnel. Mike Tomlin, Nick Sirianni, both back? Yeah, I think Sirianni enters the season, though, in a, in a complete. Yeah. I, I think Sirianni's been Wouldn't pantsed it be a little bit here. they fired him a year after going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, oh, I, it oh, would Mark, be wild. It, it, it would and be. And it's not it even... Be. A year when you, I mean, they were ten and one. Yeah. I mean, so you'd you'd be firing them over what well, six games? Well, and they're a playoff team. Yeah. So it's not like they they missed the playoffs. I mean, they still they still made the playoffs, losing six out of seven. Something had to have happened with that team. They have too many. I, I dare I say great players. They have too many at least good players. But I, I'm I'm telling you, Sirianni lost those two coordinators. He lost Jonathan Gannon to Arizona, and he lost Shane Steichen here to Indianapolis. And I, they have not been able to replace those guys. They have Matt Patricia. Call, I mean, Matt Patricia is still calling defenses. The pencil wasn't sharpened enough last <laughs> What's night. What's this guy doing? For Mr. Patricia there. Uh, Matt on the Patricia? Side really? Uh, Tom Crean in an hour. Bruce Weber. Coming up at 9 o'clock. Really looking forward to those conversations as we get you set for tonight. 7 o'clock. Do not unsubscribe from Peacock, folks. It's not yet. Robbie Hummel, Noah Eagle on the call tonight. Indiana and Purdue, the 218th meeting in this matchup. Can I ask you something about that? Are yeah. Indiana fans, this is probably a stupid question, are they sensitive about Robbie Hummel being on the call? <laughs> Well, they shouldn't be. He's <laughs> well, listen, I love Robbie Hummel, the but, but, he's a, but he's, analysts, yes, yeah. it should be the least yeah. of their concerns. Worry about Xavier but you, Johnson but getting you to the game know, on time. But you know there'll be concerns. I'm going to be following that I, on Twitter tonight. I think tonight. Hummel did share. Mark, did we have him on? I'm trying to think of when this conversation was. He did share that his first game ever in Assembly Hall some fan came up to him <laughs> behind, the, and he described it as, you know, this is somebody that, you know, I think peak Southern Indiana here. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, settle down now. We don't like you here. <laughs> yeah, well. We I don't mean, like your It happens with here. Louisville and Kentucky. It happens with, you know, Duke and North Carolina. Unfortunately, ESPN, they have all Duke guys. So, you know, you I mean, it's not like you're showing Duke Hummel guys. on the Jumbotron tonight. Uh, yeah, you're not giving him a round of, uh, you know, a standing ovation, a round of applause I during think he does the a game. great job. Real oh, quick, he's great. I love him. Real quick before we get to a check down, there's a traffic update. Okay. Northbound 65 just closed at 38th and Guyon because of a truck on its side in the middle of the interstate. Oh, my God. So be careful out so there. So we've got issues on 74 coming into town. Is that correct, Mark? And then 65 yeah. right now? Eastbound 74 and northbound 65. Again, folks, it was a little slicker than I expected coming in. The commute for me with no one on the road right. was a yeah. little longer. I can only imagine the morning. what it's like now. Uh, by the way, we're in a studio with no windows, so I have no idea if it's snowing or not outside, but nonetheless, 
uh, be prepared for a little bit longer commute and some delays could be on the horizon for you here on this Tuesday morning. All right, uh, let's head to a morning check. Just got a listener text here. IU fan, Robbie Hummel's the best color guy in the Big Ten Network. Would take him every game. Yeah, see, I don't see Robbie nice. Hummel. He's not, like, going to enrage the Indiana fan base, but I just know how people can get when you're watching a national game and it's a rivalry game and the other school is represented you within Jack the announcement. and Stephen Bardo <laughs> to get you through the game? Is there an IU guy even out there calling games? I can't even think of anyone, no. right? Who's no, out I, there? Who's like an IU. Well, I mean, Tom Green, kind of. In studio either. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, let's dive into it. Jazz winners uh, over the Pacers last night, 132-105. Postgame head coach Rick uh, Carlisle giving Utah praise. We're doing it in a similar way that we're doing it. Uh, Give Will a lot of credit for uh, how how they've rearranged things. You know, they're taking a guy, Chris Dunn, who's been out of the league, who had, you know, some injury problems over the years but has fought his way back. And, you know, the guys that are the fighters are getting rewarded, you know, and that's, that's, that's what we have to be about as well. The Jazz have won six in a row, KB. They have won nine out of ten games. Nine out of ten games have the Utah Jazz, and that's just to get a little bit over 500 at 22 and 20. The Pacers fall to 23 and 17. You mentioned this a couple days off, and then it's Sacramento coming up on, what would that be, Thursday night at 10 o'clock. And you're on more injury watch. No Aaron Neesmith, no Bruce Brown last night. Benedict Matherin turns the ankle in the third quarter, slips on a drive, so a lot of injuries starting to pile up on this West Coast trip. Well, Rick Carlisle late tomorrow is the plan for him as we try to sync up some time differences here on the West Coast trip. All right, yesterday in the NFL, it was two more blowouts, kind of putting the cherry on top of a dud of a wild card weekend. I guess Buffalo-Pittsburgh, maybe a blowout's too harsh, but I never thought Pittsburgh was really in in that game. They win by 14, they're the Bills, and then 32-9, to Baker Mayfield and the Bucks over the Eagles. So that sets up the divisional round as this, just one road team advancing out of the divisional round. We'll get Houston at Baltimore. That's right around a 10-point spread coming up on Saturday for the Ravens as the number one seed. The night cap then will be 49ers and Packers. So both number one seeds will play on Saturday. Also about a 10-point favorite in that one is San Francisco. And then on Sunday, Lions hosting the Bucks at 3 o'clock. That is a six-point favorite for the Fighting Dan Campbells. And the final game of Divisional Round Weekend for the first time in his NFL career after 15 playoff games, either at Arrowhead or in the Super Bowl at neutral sites, Patrick Mahomes will be on the road at Buffalo. The Bills, an early two-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. All right, the four games, who do you got right now? Right now. Texans-Ravens, who do we have? Ravens, everybody? Uh, yeah, You have Ravens. to go Ravens. Pack- It'll be a good game, though. Close pa- game. Packers-Niners. Niners close? I, Niners no. close? I think the Packers can hang in there, but okay. I'll go Niners. Yeah. That spread Niners. is at 10. Uh, Niners healthy. They have no excuse. Like, they are a healthy football team. They have no excuse. Bucks, Lions, we all going Lions there? You like Baker Mayfield? Uh, Lions. Yeah. Lions. Chiefs, Bills? Bills? Bills. I, Bills I get want, it done. I think, you know, we were texting with some friends yesterday. I want Lions, Bills at this point. Yeah. What do we have? So, yeah, Lions, Bills, and Texans are the three teams are, without a Super Bowl? Are the three teams without a Super Bowl. So, yes, we would go to, where is it, in Phoenix? It's always in Phoenix, I feel like. Is it in Phoenix? Is that where Why it's I at? I feel like it was Vegas. Is it Vegas this yeah. year? I believe it's Allegiant Stadium. Oh, boy. Phoenix can, for the Final Four, isn't that right? Can you imagine Bills fans taking over Vegas? Yeah. Well, that'd be an ugly scene. 
Ugly scene. Give After us yesterday, I think they might walk to Vegas. On the Vegas Strip, <laughs> tables smashed all over the place That's right outside fantastic. the casinos. Their effort awesome. yesterday was If you haven't seen it, Cam Noon does this you know, video podcast. You should check it out. It's like him watching Bill's Mafia, like guys going through tables and being on fire and their friends you know, pouring beer on them while, while they're on fire uh, and everything else. The it, football gods were not going to let Bill's Mafia go home you're losers da- You're yesterday. damn right. Uh, Indiana and Purdue tonight, 7 o'clock on Peacock. Our coverage on IBC uh, will We'll begin at 6 o'clock. I wanted to give you just a little bit of sound. Mike Woodson, speaking with the media yesterday, talked about the rivalry here between Indiana and Purdue. You know, they want to beat us as badly as we want to beat them. I mean, it's just, it's been that way. I think it's great for college basketball. You know, they have their fan base, and we have our fan base. And, you know, it's, when you go there, it's the same way. When they come here, it's, our fans are, Unbelievable. I mean, it don't matter who we put in the Sibley Hall, our fans have been great all these years, and that's not going to change. Again, Indiana's won three of four in this matchup. If they stretch that to four of five, it'd be the first time since Tom Crean was the coach there. I think 2012, 2013, the best Crean years, uh, the last time Indiana has done that to Purdue. And leading into that, Purdue had won nine straight. So tides have turned a little bit here. With Mike Woodson, we'll see if that continues tonight. Again, Purdue is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. That line jumped out at me uh, for this one. Butler-Xavier at 6.30 tonight. Uh, Butler, about a handful of point underdog there. And a couple of NFL notes. Bill Belichick officially met with the Falcons late last night. Insert your 28-3 to jokes here. Uh, his first interview for head coaching gigs. And it sounds like Jason Kelsey. Again, hang it up. Pretty emotional late in the game for those that watched it last night. Uh, the future Hall of Famer. Done at the age of 36. All right, on the other side, a lot more IU Purdue. Bruce Weber at 9, Tom Crean at 9.30. Safe travels on this Tuesday morning. A little slick out there. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, appreciate everyone joining us uh, on this snowy, snowy, cold, slick morning here in Indianapolis. It's a Tuesday. Reminder, busy, busy 9 o'clock hour coming up. Bruce Weber going to join us at 9 o'clock. Tom Crean going to join us at 9.30. So we'll be talking with those guys. Uh, Always love to do so. Uh, Mark Dykton told you before we went to break, and again, uh, I would follow this morning uh, WIBC, at WIBC Traffic on Twitter. Check out their website as well. Our sister station giving you uh, the traffic really up to date. Northbound 65 is closed at 38th and Kessler Boulevard. Uh, so that's kind of the newest news that I see out there, and that's within the last 15 minutes, KB. Uh, it's just a nasty morning. I don't think I think when it snows this little of them out. People get cocky and they don't think about it being slick and everything else. And that can also be dangerous. There's some black ice out this morning when I was on my way in. Yeah, it was a lot slicker than I expected. And it was snowing, you know, when I got in my car this morning. So I don't know, maybe it happened so close to that start of the morning commute that that maybe is contributing to it. But yeah, 65 I know has been impacted, like you just said. 74 over on the west side, certainly as well. So um, tons of delays, tons of school, I think even some closings in some of the donut counties, but a lot of delays. So check that out. And if you haven't left already, uh, get ready for a little bit longer commute than probably you are used to. Uh, the, the phrase that we got during COVID, e-learning, fellas. I'm looking at E-learning. you. Uh, yes. Do they even do snow days anymore? <laughs> My little, I don't think shame. so. Those stink. It really E-learning is. days, no one wants that. See, no. I, I knew Mark was going no to one. say that. Every, no teachers, no every, parents, every nobody parent wants said the exact same thing with I did with, some uh, substitute e-learning. teaching during COVID, actually. Did you really? Yeah, we had a furlough day. Uh, we only did four days a week during that. 
And it was, you know, a lot of the times it'd be the teacher was out with COVID and they would teach then from home. And I would just be like a monitor in the classroom. It was brutal. Uh, 90% of the kids are asleep. Yeah, so, nobody wants it. So, Give the yeah. kids a damn So you have to have, what, 60? I don't want to get bogged down under this conversation. We'll talk IU Purdue here in a second. I have a thought on Xavier Johnson, who I think is actually probably a pretty important piece He'd of tonight's game. He'd make me nervous game. on a snow day what, what, what he would be up to. Uh, well, he can't go 95 miles per hour in Bloomington if that's the case. I don't know if it's still the same, but you used to just have to have 60 hours, which is about two years of college, right, to be in a, to be a, 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 a substitute teacher? Is that true? Or is it, or yeah, is it now I, I it's like, please, we need you? Because I did that for a while. It's probably a little bit of the latter. I mean, certainly during COVID because <laughs> well, you had so many issues just with, you know, oh, yeah, close contact this and oh, sure, sure. all of that. Yeah, I don't know exactly the so, parameters so, of it, but I, I'm the son of two teachers. So I've always, you know. So you're good to go. So you keep your uh, yeah, you keep yourself good. Well, the reason I bring it up is I, I did that a little bit. I took two, you know, I took a semester off. Uh, so I had two years of college, then I took a semester off, but I had more than 60 hours of credit hours. And so I could be a substitute teacher. So if I would substitute, I would know, I would still know some of the students when I would be a substitute teacher at a high school or whatever it was. So uh, I could tell you some stories we will not tell to on our the educators, air. good yes. luck on a day like God today. God bless you today. Uh, Xavier Johnson, he has four points in the last two games. And at Rutgers, he was thrown out of the game for doing the uh, the brush by, the grab and pull, whatever you want to call it. So he was dismissed from that game, and he was benched against Minnesota. He has two points, doesn't make a field goal in 17 minutes against Minnesota. Now, if you go back three games ago, you know, at one point this Ohio State a week ago, what Ohio State was a quad one win, it's a quad two win right now for Indiana, but he had 18 points. I mean, he had 18 points in 34 minutes. Uh, even, you know, even knocked out a couple threes, which Indiana, we know they have issues with. I know that right now every Indiana fan is done with Xavier Johnson. I feel, at least that's how I feel. But I'm sorry. I mean, doesn't Xavier Johnson, as a guy who can create some and can get on some sort of a hot streak, dare I say, isn't Xavier Johnson actually a huge part of tonight's game? Again, Gabe Cups can bring the ball up. He can run a team. Gabe Cups does not score. If you ask me who would be the guy least likely to have that magical game, that out-of-body experience, to me it would be Gabe Cups. Just because, not that, I mean, I expect him to play over 20, 25 minutes. It could be even more. He played 30 minutes the other night. So I expect him to play, maybe even perhaps start, but I don't expect him to score very much at all, which leaves us to our old friend Xavier Johnson. I kind of feel like if Xavier X, if you will, if he's going to try to get out of the doghouse here, it starts tonight, and you know whether you like him or not, I know Indiana fans are done with him. I get it. You kind of need him to be able to get into the teeth of the defense, knock down a couple threes, create some, you know, just just create something for your offense. That's how I feel. I don't know if he'll succeed doing that, but don't they need him at least a little bit? Yeah, I, I would argue where they need Xavier Johnson where they need Gabe Cups, where they even need Trey Galloway. Maybe Galloway, you you certainly need him more offensively. But the other two, I think you need them on Braden Smith. I I, I look at the defensive uh, ability of them much more than I look at the wishful offensive thinking. I just, you know, if it's good Xavier Johnson tonight, then, oh my gosh, you talk about, you know, 
you Wait, perfect timing. Need to hand out heart medicine <laughs> yeah. to every IU fan in the in the building tonight. And the same thing with Gabe Cup. I mean, it'd be a very out of body experience for Gabe Cups to have whatever sure. ten points, twelve points, however you want to define an offensive explosion. Uh, but to me, if Braden Smith comes out of this game, Andy, and he's got 14 points on a decent shooting percentage, and he's got seven assists and two turnovers, Purdue wins, and Purdue might win going away. It's that head of the snake of you look at Braden Smith last year, and he's three of 19 combined in these two games. You know that is the one area where if all of a sudden you start to turn him over, or he struggles a little bit shooting the basketball, that is a chance to now get Purdue into one of these tailspins where they are a turnover-prone team, like we saw in their tournament exits, like we saw against Nebraska. Against Nebraska, Andy, they hit 13 threes and lost by 16. Right. Yeah, they get blown out. Because they turned it over at a really high rate, and they were, you know, obviously Nebraska shot the hell out of it. So, um, you know, to me, I look at Xavier Johnson, or even Gabe Cups, and I look at much more of the defensive end of the floor because I think Braden Smith is just such an important catalyst to Purdue. And I mentioned earlier, the thing that I think will be the difference tonight it's just Purdue is so damn disciplined in getting the ball into Zach Eady, even if it doesn't work early in a possession. There's so many times where you see teams, here's a set play coming out of the huddle, it doesn't work in the first 10 seconds, and, and then you bail, and then it's frantic, and then you have no idea, you're chicken with the head cut off, running around for the rest of the possession. Purdue is patient enough to get it back into Eady. He is a pretty good passer out of double teams. Uh, he realizes kind of where the shooters are on the floor. Guys play off him very, very well. It's probably a big reason why I got like Mason Gillis as more of that four man is maybe better suited when the doubles come uh, because he does help you stretch the floor. Uh, again, I think Purdue will just be the more disciplined team because discipline in, in a word with, is not a word I use for Indiana over the course of 40 minutes for most of the games this season. But I would argue it's more on the other end of the floor. And again, what does Indiana do? I mean, do you put Trey Galloway on Braden Smith? That, See, that, that's I, a lot for Trey on both ends of the boy, floor. I, pro- I probably would. At, I would have but that six, in my back pocket to do it at some point. 6-5 length yeah. could be pretty enticing. And it's not like you'd give up a ton, theoretically, if you put Cups, for example, on a Lance Jones and kind of, you know, he's more of a shooter. Certainly Lance can drive a little bit there. Uh, but I do think that is something. What, what do you think they do with Edie? You think it's just where is it double with okay, renew? So, is yeah, it re- is what? it renew? Renew has struggled foul trouble in his college career. Uh, do you want renew on him? And where's kind of the help side shot blocker? Uh, you know, Trey Kaufman Wren isn't really going to stretch the floor, so I think you'd feel good about that. That is obviously. I mean, isn't that matchup. the number one matchup? If you just look at it, Renew and Kaufman Wren, like that ain't close. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. So, how much those two uh, end up playing? I'm more, and we can ask Bruce Weber at nine o'clock and Tom Crean at nine thirty. It's what do you do with Edie? But it's what do you do when he catches the ball? What do you do before he catches the ball? Right, like what? What can you do to make those entrance passes uh, not happen or be difficult? By the way, I wanted to give one more update. Uh, IBC again at WIBC traffic, uh, our sister station here, uh, has now they put out their traffic on. Remember, northbound sixty five was closed at thirty eighth and Kessler. That is open. Traffic is getting by on the left shoulder. Delay time they have is about twenty two minutes. Uh, safe travels on yeah. this morning, well, as Andy just laid out. Uh, it is dangerous. WIBC traffic on Twitter. I'd encourage you to uh, head there for any updates before your morning commute. Bruce Weber in 10 minutes. 
Remind you, Miss, hey, part of the show, you can check us out, 1075thefan.com. You can stream there, podcast there. KB's got a bunch of articles up there as well, 1075thefan.com. Another update, Mark Dyson goes, we got another one. Uh, there's a crash on I-65, it looks like. And again, you should follow our sister station, WIBC, at WIBC Traffic is what we're looking at here. Leaving downtown, northbound I-65 at 21st Street. Looks like the two left lanes are blocked. That stops traffic from Meridian Street uh, and Penn. So, again, right around 21st Street, leaving downtown northbound I-65. Uh, it is a little icy out today. Uh, we were talking about it all morning, so we'll keep you updated. And IBC has done uh, such a great job keeping people uh, abreast of the situation for their morning commute in. All right, so 9 o'clock hour is going to be full going to be fun. Bruce Weber going to join us coming up here about six, seven minutes at the top of the hour. Tom Crean going to join us as well um, at 9.30. I just had a question for you. We probably don't have too much time to dive into it uh, here, but we we have seen the playoffs just be boring so far in the NFL, right? I mean, they they have not been compelling games outside of Detroit uh, and the Rams, and that was a great game, 24-23. And so, you know, like Cleveland, they get blown out. I don't really feel like I feel like Cleveland fans upset, maybe perhaps using a little bit of nuance with, um, you know, Joe Flacco was their quarterback. They lost Nick Chubb and everything else. The reason I bring it up is, you know, when a team makes a postseason and they lose, especially early on, some franchises it, it's it's a franchise changer, right? If the Texans would have lost on Saturday. Uh, who did they play again? I'm blanking already. Who the Texans, Texans beat? Uh, the Browns. Browns. Yeah. If they would have if they would have lost that game, it would not have been weeping and gnashing of teeth in Houston. They, of course, would have wanted to win the game, but it's not. You know, hey, we got to fire the coach. We got to get a new GM. We got to do this. We got to do that. We have to make big time changes. When you look at some of these other franchises, you know, Miami, perhaps, definitely Dallas. Uh, Philly, with what they did last night, we view it and we look and say, boy, those teams, there's a lot going on there and a lot of it's negative. The reason I bring it up is, you know, Pittsburgh goes and they make the playoffs and they fizzle out pretty much immediately. What do you think the reaction would have been if the Colts were one of those teams that made it and did not play well in the playoffs? Would we have viewed it like the Texans fans would have viewed it or perhaps the Browns? Or are we sitting here saying, hey, someone's got to go. You can't bring Gus Bradley back after that performance in the playoffs. Uh, I, I largely think house money. You know, you, you, you're playing with house money. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it wouldn't erase, you know, finishing what, 28th in scoring defense, particularly, I guess, if you got blown out and gave up a big point total to, I don't know, a, a, Lesser quarterback. Uh, granted, I don't. I don't know if there's any of those left in the AFC when you look at the four QBs remaining in this conference. But yeah, I, I think largely house money. Um, again, I think that you should have some sting and a sour taste to how it ended. But I, I actually agree with Chris Ballard and that you know a, a, an encouraged feeling exiting 2023 is ultimately where we will get to. The raw emotion of it still on January 16th is probably not there. That's fine. It doesn't need to be there. But if you look at things moving forward and you don't look in the rearview mirror, you should feel encouraged about it. That doesn't lessen the sting of, yeah, I mean, again, seven years without a playoff, um, without a division title. And again, I've mentioned the numbers before. Was it 25 teams have won a division title since you last have? I think 20 or 21 teams have won multiple playoff games since you last have. I mean, it's a long rut. But no, I, I don't think it would... Uh, 
it so, would greatly. So you think it would be things. house money even with the stats you just laid out with Chris Ballard? That would be my only rebuttal to right, you. Right, because I you would have agree. made a playoff. And if you obviously make well, you the playoffs, the South, you would have yeah. won the division yeah. for the first you time a four seed. since 2014 there. So yeah, I, I think you would have been pretty pleased. Uh, certainly, with you know achieving that, getting a little bit of the monkey on your off your back, and and you know some of these guys finally tasting what the playoffs are all about. Because you know, you think about it, the last time uh, the bulk of these guys have been in the playoffs, it was a COVID playoff. You know, it was a what sixty five hundred fans in Buffalo for that playoff game. You haven't even been in that true true playoff atmosphere. Granted, I do think Saturday night against Houston was about as close as you're going to get to it a week and a half ago. All right, as Andy said, 9 o'clock hour, heavy, heavy IU-Purdue. I guess we'll begin a little bit from the Boilermaker side of it. Uh, with Gene Cady from 1980 to 98, he is Bruce Weber. He joins us next. Hope to have Bruce Weber here in just a second. Coming up, bottom of the hour, about 9.30, Tom Crean going to join us. Uh, both those guys, a lot of experience in the rivalry, IU and Purdue. Tonight, reminder, TV-wise, you can find it at 7 o'clock on Peacock. Our coverage, WIBC, beginning uh, at 6 o'clock. Should we do this as we wait here? I believe we uh, what uh, Weber's going through uh, airport security right now. He's got to have pre-check, doesn't he? He's got to have the TSA. Shoes pre- off, Coach Weber. No. Belt off. That's why you have to, Do you have pre-check? You got to have pre-check. I do not have pre-check. Oh, come on, KB. It's like 75 bucks. It's like 75 bucks for five years. As much as you fly a couple times a year, it's worth it. Uh, I was going to ask you this. Do you want to just, just like flat out give our predictions as we begin this hour? Do you want to wait to the very end? I say we do that to close things okay. out. All right. Yeah. All right. We want to keep fine. both fan bases with us here until the end of the show. Come on now. <laughs> I think people know who I'm taking in this game. I think they I think. They might know, so uh, we shall find out. Bruce Weber joining us. Uh, been around this rivalry for a long time now with the Big Ten Network. He joins us here uh, on the Wake Up Call on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Yeah, well, Looking forward to a, a good game tonight. Uh, as uh, are we. Should be a fun one there uh, in Assembly Hall. Let me start there. Uh, we'll dive into the game, kind of your X's and O's, what you have seen from both teams, but you've been around this rivalry for uh, for a long time, going all the way back to at least 1980. Uh, what does this game, these two teams matching up, what does it mean to you? Well, it means a lot. It's, it's a special game. It's... Uh, you know, and I've been very fortunate to be involved in some big rivalry games. Obviously, the when I was at Kansas State, the Kansas game, and you know, when we were at Illinois, Iowa, and Michigan State, we had some pretty good games. But this is special, and the whole state's tuning in. And I really think records a lot of times get thrown out the window because the home team, the emotion of the game, just changes it so much. And uh, I was talking to a former player yesterday, actually, and he had one of his better games in, you know, against Indiana, and we upset them at home. And I think the home factor, it's such a big factor, and especially with Indiana this year, they play at a whole nother level at home, and, and if they shoot the ball well, that'll give them a chance. He is Bruce Weber, again, with Gene Cady, 1980-98. to 98. Coach, I don't know if you know it, but I added it up. I believe I have this correct. I think 22-19 and 19 the Boilers were against the Hoosiers when you were with Gene Cady there for nearly two decades. So a winning record for you against Indiana as the assistant there for Coach Cady. How did this game get viewed on the schedule? Was it viewed in a different light when you were at Purdue? There's no doubt, and you can say as a coach, every game's important and all that stuff. You do your coach talk, and 
But when it comes down to it, 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 it when you knew it was around the corner, it was a big game, and it, it meant so much. Obviously, I was involved with, you know, two legendary Hall of Fame coaches with Coach Katie and Coach Knight, and I think the rivalry, you know, both teams are really good, winning championships, and, uh, you know, it, it it was it was even more uh, heated at that time. And, and, you know, my first ones were the early ones where, you know, Coach Knight brought the mule out on TV, and, you know, and, and then the, the obviously the radio interview that got released or the locker room talk that got released and you know we're not losing to Purdue we don't lose to Purdue the whole thing so uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun but I think those two respected each other and it made it special and uh, it just the atmosphere in the place the buzz the energy is just a whole nother level so no matter what the coaches say, you know, it's another game. Well, it, it isn't another game because of that energy level. 7 o'clock tonight, Assembly Hall shall be rocking. It is on Peacock. It'll be Robbie Hummel and Noah Eagle on the call of that one. Again, Purdue and Indiana for the 218th time. Bruce Weber with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Coach, if Mike Woodson dialed you up and said, all right, Khalil Ware, Malik Renew, we got some bigs off the bench. How should we handle Zach Eady? What would be your answer? Well, I think the success has been. I, I don't have. I'm not sharing some secret information when you post trap them and 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 do a good job of bottling them up. It 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 makes a difference in keeping him out of rhythm. If you let him get in rhythm, uh, he just has such great hands and he can shoot the basketball, the the touch around the hoop, um, and then he's rebounding. I that that's the only thing is that he's gotten when they've struggled, he's gotten into foul foul trouble. Um, on some of those offensive rebound attempts. And, you know, I know Coach Fainer's done a great job getting those guys to rebound the basketball, but you, you want to keep him in the game, and he's got to be smart about that. Indiana does have the size. They're going to have to box him out uh, and keep them off the glass. I think that is so important, not just Zach, but Gillis and First. And, I mean, they hit the glass hard, and, and that makes a big difference because you don't want to give up those easy ones. So, and then they, Indiana's got to – I mean, it's a no secret. I had them earlier in the year. they got to make free throws. they got to take care of the basketball. And, and then if they can make some threes, um, it, it obviously helps them. Bruce Weber with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I, I just want to follow up on Edie, and the answer is probably both. You may think this is stupid. It might be Andy. It's both. Is it? Is it? What's more important? Is it making those touches difficult or flat out denying those? Or once he gets the ball, the defense you play once he touches the ball there in the lane. What do you think is more important for Mike Woodson tonight? I think the beginning of it, forcing him out, if you let him get deep and if you let him get down the middle, and, and Coach Painter does a great job of that high-low pass. And a lot of times it, it used to be old-school basketball was that high-low from your 4 to your 5 or your 5 to your 4, but now it's it's guards feeding the post. So you've got to get him off the block. You've got to push him out. That allows you to get the, the opportunity to maybe post-trap if you're going to have it in your system. And and. The thing that I've seen, you know, if you Northwestern post traps, Nebraska post traps, if it's in your system and you know how to scramble out of it and you practice that on a daily routine, it's a lot easier. But if you're just going to like two days before, oh, we're going to post trap that that's not easy to do. And because it's, you know, basketball is a game of habits and especially defensive habits are so important. So 
those scrambles out of it are really, really important. And, and Purdue has done a much better job of shooting the basketball from the perimeter as, you know, up to this point. And, you know, if, if you're not good at that scramble, you're not going to get to the shooters and they're going to get wide open looks. He's a former National Coach of the Year. He's Bruce Weber. Again, spent nearly two decades right next to Gene Cady. He's seen this rivalry up close and personal quite a lot. And he's with us here on this Tuesday morning as we get ready for tonight. You know, on paper, Coach, obviously you've mentioned the crowd. The electricity certainly will be in Indiana's favor tonight. Uh, Maybe an emerging McKenzie Mbaco and kind of how Purdue handles him, you know, lineup-wise, Purdue a little smaller if they're trying to guard Mbaco. Maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but I guess where do you see any on-paper advantages on the floor outside of the crowd for Indiana and trying to make this interesting late? Well, I I think that Mbaco's, you know, if they make shots and he's one of their better three-point shooters, if not their best, he's really, really important. Um, Renew. Um, scoring and, you know, he's just done a great job making threes and scoring inside. I think he's got to be one of the most improved players in the league, maybe in the country. Uh, what he, from this, from freshman year to sophomore year, and you got to admire that, what he's, how much improvement he's made. And, I, you know, I think he's a key. And then where just rebounding the basketball, I think, is important. Um, you know, he's had some huge games 17 rebounds, I think 15. Um, you know, those are big games, and the, and the boards, I think, are really, really a key for Indiana to not let Purdue get those easy ones, those easy second-chance points. Bruce Weber with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, I want to go back a minute ago to something you said, and you, you know, you you were said you said it with a smile that hey, this is not brain surgery here, but they need to get in, they need to be able to kick out. Indiana needs to be able to make some threes. Boy, it has been a it's been a labor watching them try to make threes. They only make about five a game. They attend uh, or they attempt fifteen. They're shooting at thirty three percent this year, Coach, from three. Do you think they have the personnel? to knock down enough to win tonight? Or do you think, and listen, it happens in games, it happens in rivalry games, that they'll need to have someone have a little bit of an out-of-body experience to finally knock down some threes? Coach Katie always talked about we need somebody to play at the magic level. And and one of my early games, it was Mike Scarce. Scooby-Doo is his nickname. It's probably too long ago for you, but Mike, Mike had an out-of-body experience. We beat them at home, and, you know, he just played the best game of his career. And, I mean, you see it all the time. You saw it last week with Nebraska against, uh, you know, Purdue. They they had probably three guys playing out-of-body experiences, and that magic level is so important. I, I think you saw it with uh, the Indiana-Kansas game. Uh, Galloway was really, really special, and, and I'm sure as an in-state kid, it, it, the game even means more to him. Um, you know, so you see maybe a guy like that just really stepping up and, and shooting that ball at that magic level. I think the other thing that adds some fuel to this thing is you have two former, you know, players. They're alumni of their schools with obviously Coach Woodson, Coach Painter. Um, you know, that you can say what you want. There's a little bit of dislike between the two schools. <laughs> sure. I think there's there's respect, but there's dislike, and that, that even goes to the players. So I think that even adds a little fuel to the fire. Coach, I was reading something, and this probably goes back to your early years at Purdue, but you were watching film, I think, of Indiana and Minnesota, and you were struck by how Coach Knight was in full control of the officials <laughs> in that game, and you wanted to let Coach Katie know that, and if I'm not mistaken, Coach Katie 
might have gotten teed up early in an Indiana-Purdue contest. Uh, could you share that story, if you don't mind? Yeah, it's actually, it's. I'm so old that at that time, there was no film to watch. You had reel-to-reel film, and I used to have to carry it. It was four canisters. But we could scout in person at that time. This was a long time ago. And, it, and I'm young 23 whatever and it's one of my first scouts in the big 10 and and i'm so i'm pretty naive but i go up to minnesota minnesota has brewer and tucker and really good players and uh and the games of minnesota's kind of winning and all of a sudden you know coach knight and his you know infinite wisdom (laughs) kind of took the game over a little bit and you know in his way and the calls went their way and um they won the game and i went back and i was you know again i'm pretty naive and i I hadn't been around the rivalry of Coach Knight, you know, I very little at that time. And I just said, Coach, it's unbelievable. You can't let him control the game, you know, with the officials. And he just changed the game. And so we're at Indiana. It's our first game against them. And Coach Katie not just gets one technical. He gets two technicals. And if I think you look it up, it might have been in the first two minutes of the game, three minutes of the game. And, uh, at that time, you didn't get kicked out of games with two technicals. And but you know, I said, you know, I just felt so bad. My heart just sunk when I, you know, I said, Coach, I didn't, I didn't mean for you to get technicals. He goes, he knows I'm in the state right now, and that that was his way. He kind of set the tone for that rivalry to to really, you know, get some fire to it. And uh, and then we beat they beat us that time, but we beat them at home, and they were. That was Isaiah and that group, and and they won the national championship. So we it, it made it for a lot of fun. I we used to play them. I think it was like the last game of the first round and the first game of the second. You know, the last game of the of the season you know, several years, and, and that was we played them at home the last game of the year, and we ended up beating them. I think we were the last one to beat them at that time because they went. There was no tournament, uh, Big Ten tournament, and they went on a run to the to the national championship. So. A lot of fun, and uh, you know the obviously the the mule came out and all the different <laughs> things. So Jack the donkey, right? The donkey, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. He, he, Coach Knight said I asked Coach Katie to come on the show, and he refused. I asked George King to come, and they sent the replacement, and it was Jack Purdue or whatever Jack, you know, whatever it was. So, but I, I used to run home from church every Sunday. I wanted to see that show because you wanted to see what Coach Knight was going to do, and it's, especially before our game because you knew he was getting fired up, and or after our game, you always wanted to see it. And I have, the, I have on Betamax. I still have that tape of the the Mule game. I, I, I don't know if I can play it because no one has a Betamax anymore, but. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, and it was great, great to be part of. I love it. I love it. We'll end with this. We had you on last spring, I think it was, and honestly, a big reason why I wanted to have you on then was because you know you were the coach of the 2019 USA team that Tyrese Halliburton was on, and I don't know if our audience remembers that conversation, but that was a loaded team of the Evan Mobleys and the Cade Cunninghams, and sure enough, here's a skinny kid from Iowa State. If I'm not mistaken, you were pretty struck by Halliburton's presence on that team. For our audience here locally in the Pacers market that might have missed that, what were your impressions of coaching Tyrese Halliburton back on uh, Team USA a handful of years ago? Well, it's just amazing. I'm from Wisconsin, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, a two-star recruit. He went to Iowa State. We played against him at K-State freshman year, and 
he was just solid. He, you know, his assist turnovers, I think, was the best in the country. It was just just amazing. But he rarely shot the basketball. And then he came to the tryouts and just, again, he had never been involved in that as a two-star recruit. And all the other guys, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, they've been, you know, they've been playing USA basketball since they were probably 14, 15. Um, you know, and he came to the tryouts and, you know, he was – I kept telling Sean Ford, who's head of USA Basketball, I said, I'm telling you, he's going to be a great, you know, fit-in player for us. And, and it, uh, it it went way beyond that. He he could have easily been the MVP of our team. Um, just really got so much confidence. And he just exploded with that summer. The next year then obviously had the unbelievable season, got hurt. Actually, against K-State, he hurt, he got hurt his wrist. And, and then he still ended up, you know, being a, a high draft choice and and just amazing. And the thing that, you know, and I told you guys last, he is just such a great quality person. Uh, just, you know, the family, he, he keeps his, you know, his kind of humility. I, I just love it. And just amazing how he's continued to get better. I saw that, I know you guys probably saw when they were in the, the in-season tournament and Shaq had him on with his dad and mom and, and Shaq didn't even know his first name. I kind of laughed. He, goes, he, he said he's he's pretty good. And I'm like, you know, what have you been watching? I mean, it's, yeah, he is. And it's just a pretty good run for the Pacers here late. And, um, and I, I went to a game last year in Indianapolis. My former player, Dean Wade, plays for the Cavs. And I got to see Dean play and then Tyrese and his mom. And, I mean, they spent a half hour with me after the game. And just, again, you know, I only had him for a month, but uh, just such good people, and and that's why he's you know he's going to be a long time great in in the NBA, and and it's great for the Pacers that they pretty good pickup in that trade. So very fortunate to yes. have him here in this market for kids to look up to here. Certainly moving forward, uh, hell of a player, Coach. Can't thank you enough. Uh, outstanding conversation every time we have you on. Enjoy your work on Big Ten Network. Safe travels on this Tuesday morning, and uh, looking forward to uh, another chapter tonight in Indiana Purdue. So thank you for that. Thank you. It's good to be on. It'll be a great game. Looking forward to. It. I'll be in the studio. We don't have that game because Robbie is and uh, it's on Peacock, but. We'll be talking about it after uh, there's a second game on BTN and, and we'll be on the big show later. And I'm sure that'll be the, the kickoff, the game between those two. So it'll be fun, interesting to watch. And, you know, for both teams to stay in the hunt with Wisconsin, even you add that into the fact, I mean, it's important. I mean, I, I don't think anyone thought Wisconsin would be stretching a two game lead at, at this point. And, and they look so good. They've been so consistent. So, Big game in a lot of ways. Coach, I, I hope I'm not keeping you from your travels. Last, last oh. one, and I don't know, maybe you're not a Vegas line guy. I was surprised to see Purdue favored by nine and a half. Does that surprise you? Um, no, it doesn't. And But again, I don't. I think all that thing is it's thrown out the window. I mean, they're just going by their analytics and all that thing. I, I think this is a time. I, I love Coach Izzo's interview last week after the Northwestern game with he said he didn't like analytics, and then I don't like them. I, I think it's it's more it takes out the human side, it takes out the emotion, all that stuff, and and that's what basketball is about, and especially tonight. So, you know, I, I can see it on paper that you know Purdue would be that favorite, and they're you know where they're at, but I, I don't think it matters. Um, I think the you know the matters is that emotion and 
somebody playing at that magic level for Indiana that could make that game a special game tonight. So emotions will be on full display inside of Assembly Hall. So for Jack the Donkey here, Coach Weber, we can't thank you enough. Appreciate it, Coach. We'll be watching tonight. Thank you. All right. I had to buy the Peacock to watch the Chiefs game. And now you got to watch, you know, you get to, at least you get to watch the Indiana-Purdue game on Peacock, too. So, yeah, you can't right. be canceling thank Peacock you. too early, yeah. Coach. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be on Channel 4 on, on Indianapolis. I watched every, every Purdue-Indiana game was on that one. So Our listeners right. are nodding their heads everywhere at mm-hmm. that one. That is Bruce Weber. Thank you, Coach, right there traveling up to Chicago for some Big Ten Network. Uh, coverage oh. tonight. I, I love him. I, I mean, I hate I to him. tell Bruce Weber, but they got him now for the rest of his life. He's going to be paying five ninety nine for the rest of his life. <laughs> you would like the big Big Ten Network and maybe well, foot I mean, a little bit of I that mean, bill. Yeah, for but him, he's right? going to forget about it. He's got it on a credit card. Bruce Weber is going to be a Peacock subscriber for as long as he lives. Hey, Repson, guaranteed. Can we expense these? What's right. going on? <laughs> a little bit of that. Uh, again, it'll be Noah Eagle, Robbie Hummel tonight, seven o'clock. Love Bruce Weber. Uh, just such a joy when we have him on some great great stories and memories and he said you know first off that end of yes on paper and andy you laid out some of the stats nine and a half oh, it's not check close out. yeah it's just but, not close yeah um, uh, acting like emotion is not alive and well tonight at seven o'clock i think would be naive zach Eady said it last year after the game of you know and they're down 15 a half time to indiana you know some of their guys two freshman guards from the state of indiana a little shell-shocked by the moment shell-shocked by the environment um, it, it's amazing to think of Indiana winning now, you know, three of four in two of those three wins, Andy, to use the Bruce Weber phrase, who plays at the magic level? Robert Fennessy did it a couple years ago inside of Assembly Hall. Yep. Jalen Hood Shafino did yep. it last year in Mackey. Does someone like for either team, but in particular Indiana, because I think they need more of that than Purdue. Does somebody do that? Yeah, we need to remember as well that uh, Hood Shafino, not, not Fennessy, Hood Shafino was a first-round draft pick in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, just it needs to be remembered. I think Trey Galloway is is that guy. I do. I, I think because he can be a two-way player, uh, maybe we can ask Tom Crean. Tom Crean, by the way, going to join us here in about 10 minutes uh, of how do you start to stop Braden Smith? Well, can if you if you do that with Galloway, can you still get something from him offensive, uh, offensively? Listen, we've seen him have some big games. By the way, it's worth mentioning with Trey Galloway, we've seen him be bad at the free throw line. So if he does get in, you know, teeth of the defense, uh, goes up, shoots, gets fouled, can he go to the line and knock down a couple? He needs to be able to do that as well. And this just in from Indiana, they're actually going to open up the gates a half hour earlier than normal due to the weather and the frigid temps. So 5 o'clock at Assembly Hall, you're going to have the gates open there. That's typically 90 minutes. So um, due to the weather and expected capacity crowd, we encourage fans to arrive early and lessen the possibility of extended wait times. Um, so yeah, there you go. It'll be a five o'clock. The doors open at assembly hall tonight, man, Bruce Weber. How great was he? Oh, he's fantastic. Getting home from church to watch Bob Knight and the TV show. (laughs) Some would call watching Bobby Knight church. (laughs) Well, I would say a lot of people. Just one church to another church. To the the basketball church. A lot of people (laughs) in the 812 area code. Uh, all right. Uh, Tom Kareem going to join us here in a few before that. Let's morning check down. All right, going to get you some Mike Woodson sound here in a second. Just a reminder, last night, Pacers, it was a later game. 132-105 losers on the road to the Utah Jazz. Jazz now six in a row. They've won nine out of ten. Two straight losses by the Pacers. Uh, and they were without, what, Neesmith, 
Halliburton, Bruce Brown was out. So they played 14 different guys. You saw about 26 minutes of Jairus Walker, but again, two straight losses. The Pacers fall to 23 and 17. Now, as for the game tonight, Indiana and Purdue, 7 o'clock hour coverage on IBC beginning at 6 o'clock. How do you stop Zach Eady? Mike Woodson was asked about that yesterday. He's getting more touches probably more than he got last season and He's, he's a load. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, he's a big guy that's very skilled and and, and tough to deal with. So we just got to we got to go in there and battle, guys, for forty minutes and see what happens. In seven o'clock tonight, Peacock, Indiana, a nine and a half point underdog in this one. Purdue had won nine straight in this series. Indiana now three of four. Uh, the rematch will be in West Lafayette coming up on a Saturday in February later this year. All right, uh, Butler also tonight, by the way, five-and-a-half-point underdog at Xavier. That's a 6.30 tip. NFL-wise, Buffalo and Tampa, both home teams consider uh, continue uh, what has been, I, I would say, a dud of a wild-card weekend, but certainly the home teams uh, took care of business. Five of six winning Green Bay at undefeated Dallas. How about that? That's the only road team that wins in round one. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Nick Sirianni, we worried at all? I'm not uh, Mike Tomlin. If he wants to walk away, but one no. year left on the contract, no. right? I think both guys are back next season. So we'll continue to monitor that again. Bill Belichick interviewing with the Falcons late last night, and it looks like Jason Kelsey going to hang it up at the age of 36 for those that stayed up for the end of Eagles Bucks. You saw quite an emotional Jason Kelsey at the end of that one. Um, so we'll continue to monitor some of those news items here as we continue deeper into the month of January. All right, on the other side, we heard from Bruce Weber. How about Tom Cream? He joins us next to talk IU Purdue. Reminder, you miss any of our program, any of the fine programs here on The Fan. You can check us out, 1075thefan.com. We just spoke with Bruce Weber. You miss any of that. Again, 1075thefan.com. And you definitely don't want to miss our next guest who joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline, a former Indiana coach. Obviously, he knows this rivalry. Currently, currently their ESPN College Hoops analyst, Tom Crean, joining us here on the program. Coach, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning to both of you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Uh, Before we dive into the basketball, I have to ask you, how was it being there at the national championship game, watching Jim and watching Michigan win the national title? That had to be quite the scene. Uh, It really was. I mean, the the buildup of the day and being able to see the behind the scenes, the meetings, the the walkthrough, the, the speeches from the coaches, like that kind of stuff just built up even in somebody like me. So I can't even imagine what it was like for the players. And they just carried it out. I mean, everything that they had worked for basically since the season ended a year earlier when they lost to TCU, I mean, it came to life. And uh, to see Jim happy, to see his family, to see my wife and in-laws and and uh, my brother-in-law, John, to see everybody so happy and our kids were just – that was fantastic. It was great to be a part of it. He is Tom Crean. He's with us here. Obviously, nine years at the helm in Bloomington. If Indiana wins tonight, it'll be 4-5 or five over Purdue. Last time they did that was with Coach Tom Crean, 2012-13 to 13 season. Um, Coach, if you look at this game, when it was you at the helm, obviously you had to endure quite a lot early in your tenure down there. What did it mean when Purdue popped up on the schedule for you? Oh, I think you knew um, – well, first off, you knew long before you ever got to Indiana that it was one of the great rivalries in all of college sports. I mean, you could feel that, you know, no matter where you were at. But I think once you were in it, 
and and you saw it from people. And basically, one out of every three, one out of every four, either questions or statements or hopes and wishes you'd get from people were to beat Purdue. And so you felt that. And and uh, I think that, along with the respect that we had for how good they were, for what Matt had done, for what Matt was doing uh, even before we got the job and how well they were playing, uh, it meant a ton. And you knew you were going to have to really, really be able to execute. You were going to have to be able to defend them. You were going to have to be able to defend multiple actions. But you're also going to have to stay to your strengths. And the buildings were so great, right? Like when you were playing at Assembly Hall, I look at that now like that's probably – uh, maybe a five, six point advantage, you know, when you're playing at Assembly Hall. But frankly, when you're playing at Mackey, it's about the same because of the way the fans feel uh, inside the building about both teams. Obviously, there are some ebbs and flows to Matt Painter's tenure during your nine years in Bloomington. Uh, but certainly, without question, they are one of the most consistent programs at the highest level here over the last handful of seasons. What do you think is the reason why Matt Painter's had so much success at his alma mater? Well, I think he's, he's uh, I don't want to say reinvented, but it's kind of that. He's made adjustments all along the way uh, with his team. It, you know, his offensive arsenal has improved so many ways. They always ran a lot of set plays. But then he, he found so many different ways to score. He's based it on his personnel. And, uh, you know, one year uh, when they've got Edwards and Klein, they might be running all kinds of multiple stagger screens, double screens, all kinds of misdirection actions. Uh, certainly when he had Robbie Hummel, when he had Johnson, when he had Moore, there were so many different ways they could score. And now you see it with what they have with the guards and what they have with, with Zach Eady. They can get into a lot of four-round one. They can get into high-low. They can find different ways to get drives down the lane. They get great spacing. And I think they've always been a constant of guarding you defensively. And, and you really, really have to work to exploit uh, what you wanted to take advantage of in a game like them because they cover for each other so well. Tom Crean joining us here. It's a wake-up call. It's uh, hanging out with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You mentioned Zach Eady. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult question to answer. He's a difficult guy to stop, but I'll ask it anyway. How do you begin to slow him down? We know Indiana has a good front court. What do they do? What do you think they do tonight with Zach Eady? Well, it all starts with how easy he gets to catch, and I think that's that's what's key. You know, he, he makes so many easy catches. The people that make him work, the people that get in front of his body, the people that find a way to put either immense pressure on the ball or to get back off and almost play a man and a half on the pass of Zach Eady is so important because once he gets it, he's such a threat, not only to score, but to pass it out. And then one thing that he's so good at is he's basically a step ahead of you in, in the decisions that he makes. So if he passes it out, he's already in offensive rebounding position or reposting before you even realize that he's done it. And uh, they're so good in the middle of the floor and they're so good in getting it to him in the middle of the floor. Um, if anything, you've got to make him fade away. You can't let him just drop that shoulder and go right up into the basket area, let alone the dunks, because he's so good with that. You've got to try to make that fade come. But you've got to try every time to limit the easy catches that he's going to get because if you can get it to be harder, if you can get him uh, out of the middle of the lane, if you can get the help there on the pass, what I see a lot of teams doing is they react. They might have a double scheme, but it's late. And he's so fundamentally sound because he doesn't put the ball 
where you can strip it from him. He keeps it high and he powers his dribble when he goes. So I think it, it, it starts with that. But then I think you've also got to work him on the on the defensive end. You've got to get the game going quickly. You've got to try to bring fatigue early where he's got to get up and down the court constantly to where you know he, he has to catch his breath a little bit because I think he's in really good shape. But I don't see the, the, te- the teams that play 40 minutes of running basketball and then make them work in the half court are the ones that would have a chance to be successful. We have seen a couple rare Zach Eady foul moments here over the last couple of games, so something to keep an eye on tonight, certainly. Again, he is Tom Crean, nine years in Bloomington. The last Sweet 16 for the Hoosiers came with Tom Crean at the helm. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I know Big Ten maybe isn't necessarily the games that you're calling or the games you're watching a whole lot, but your impressions of IU from afar, certainly tonight a huge one for them to try to get back near the res- or near that you know, bubble talk uh, what have you thought of uh, IU here this season? Well, I think the home the home court is going to be is going to be phenomenal, and I think the things that maybe Purdue struggle at okay they uh, the, the lawyer struggles guarding the ball. Uh, a couple of their guys struggle when there's a lot of pressure. I don't see many teams that are putting Braden Smith and 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 uh, Fletcher Lawyer in the same actions. You know, those are the kind of things. That, that hurt a team like that. What, what Indiana has got to be able to do, they've got to be able to get good shots. And, 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 and starting with the good shots, is their spacing really, it just has to be better. I mean, they're, they're, they're spacing. When your spacing is not good, it, it, too many times you take away the obvious pass or the next pass. And I think that is, is really something that, that is important. I don't think it's a matter as much of who's scoring as much as they're in position to score. Because the ball moves, there's good spacing. I think their guard play, uh, especially at the point guard position, has really got to improve. Uh, and then the thing that Indiana does that they can't do too much of tonight, or Purdue will really hurt that, is is Indiana really overhelps on the dribble. And and I mean, almost, I mean, it's it's up to them how they want to play it. But when you when you overhelp as much as they do, you're creating not only the long closeout for the defender, but you're giving way more of an open look to a team. And the thing about Purdue that's different than some other Big Ten teams is Purdue really does have good spacing. Their shooters have improved their range. Smith is an improved shooter, but he's an improved range shooter. A lawyer's got good range. Jones has got good range. Um, the young freshmen have got good range. So you, if you overhelp on Purdue – and they're making shots, it's going to be tough. And and I think you do the best job you can do to keep the ball in front of you. You have your your double scheme that you have for Edie, and you try to make the game go as much as you can. Some great stuff there from Tom Crane on tonight's matchup. Again, 7 o'clock, Indiana and Purdue. Coach, if you don't mind, I want to go back to your tenure in Bloomington. Your first four years were my four years, actually, in Bloomington. And I almost wow, felt... that right? Yeah, I almost <laughs> felt like I, I did. I tried to uh, make Tom Pritchard and Daniel Moore behave as much as I could off the court. You stormed the court as well. There. I, coach, I did. Yeah. I, I stormed uh, Minnesota, Coach. You remember that victory? I sure do. Wait a minute. If you were trying to keep those guys in line, then you might have failed a few times. Yeah. Try is the uh, is the key word with that. Yeah. I love those guys. I'm kidding. I love those two. As you know, try the key word with those two. Um, yeah. But if you look at your time there, I almost think it's two eras. Like you had to get the program out of hell, which you did. And then, you know, you, I guess 2012, probably my senior year, it was a much different feel to it the rest of the way. If you could go back to maybe 2012 and tell yourself something to prepare you for that second era, if you will, that you had at Bloomington, what would it be? Well, that's a great question. Um, 
there really was no way to do that because we had to completely rebuild the program when we got there. So we knew at some point we were going to have to do it again. Like when you, when you take that many new guys and then what happened is Victor was able to leave after three years. And certainly we knew we weren't going to have Cody long. Uh, and he was only there. The two well, the, the people like the Jordan Halls, Christian Watford, Derek Elson, those people that did such a great job for us. Well, now they were leaving too. So, I don't know if there's much I would have done differently. Uh, probably um, recruiting-wise, a little bit differently uh, before those guys graduated. I, I would have put a little more thought maybe into some older guys. And Again, that was pre-portal and things like that, so that, that, that wasn't available then. But I probably would have tried to have been just a little bit older before we got to that point because then we go into it and we and we ended up obviously turning it again but we played so many young guys after that and uh again thank god we had will she thank god we had yogi because it was able to bridge the gap but i'm proud of the fact that we were able to overcome losing all those guys that we did get it built back up and then still be able to compete in the big 10 and then win that big 10 championship again because we really truly did have to start over and and Again, it, it's everybody kind of you know, we got the pass on those first couple of years, but then all of a sudden, if you struggle now, those couple of years come back up again inside of your record. And that was always hard, but it was a, it was an unbelievably unique challenge. And I'm not sure rebuild uh, even does it justice. But the fact that we knew we had to, we did it and we were able to overcome it. I am proud of that. Yeah, Tom Crane with us. Yeah, you you were in a spot to where it was the rage to be young, young, young. You know that uh, playing those Kentucky teams either, even, you know, hey, you had to be young, and now everyone wants to get old again. (laughs) In college basketball, they would have so much uh, experience. Working with ESPN, uh, what teams have you seen that you really like besides Purdue, maybe? Well, I look at it like it's so fleeting right now because conference play is going, so there's road and homes all the time. I look at it like who can win on a neutral floor, right? And like who who would I not want to have to see? Purdue is certainly one of those teams, but I would also go with Connecticut and I would go with Houston. I don't know if I have a fourth yet. It kind of fluctuates, but I'd say those three right now have been the most consistent to me that if you put them on a neutral floor just about just about anybody, you're going to really feel good about your chances that they could win. And they're the new number one team in the land. UConn this week with Purdue sliding back to two. Again, Tom Crean with us here, previewing IU-Purdue tonight. Coach Lynn with this. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm assuming here. I would guess the watch shot would be your favorite memory from your time in Bloomington. If I took that off the board, or maybe it's something else, what would be number two on that list? Oh, that's another great question. I've never really thought about that. I, I don't know if I could I don't know if I could have it. You know what? You know what happens when you're done? Like I my son is on the staff with the Dallas Mavericks in his second year. So this past weekend I was in Dallas after I left ESPN. So I got to see Cody Zeller. I think, you know, I hear from OG uh, constantly. I just talked to Thomas Bryant last week. Victor and I are constantly keeping in touch. I follow these guys and their families. I think when you, when you coach and you have those unbelievable moments in games, and, and certainly there are so many moments of how our crowd – the, the one moment that is crazy, but we played Illinois early on in, in that first year, and we made a comeback inside of that game on a Sunday afternoon inside of Assembly Hall. And the crowd was so unbelievable at trying to help us come back. And we came all the way back, but then we didn't win the game. 
and you know, we had changed defenses, and we were in it. And I was so emotionally spent at, at, at the end of that game, not only on the comeback, but because of just how rabid and passionate and crazy the fans were to try to help us win. It's almost like you remember those moments and you remember going through it together as much as you remember wins. And then when you get out of it in the sense of not being with those guys anymore or not being at Indiana anymore, when you get with those players and you see what they're doing now or you have a conversation, like the other night, it was basically my son, Cody, and myself in the arena. And when we left, Cody had to get on the bus. That's how long we, we'd sat there talking. And, and those are the memories that really, really stand out far more than any memory of that actual moment. Because when you go back and think about it, and again, every moment is not just what you see. Those moments matter because of how you feel. And, and I feel so good about so many things that we did there that there is no way we could have ever brought the program back, one, then been able to do it again if it wasn't for the fan base and students like you that stuck with us when we weren't winning and then were there for the, for the glory days of it. I, I'll never, ever be able to express enough thanks for that. Do you want to coach again? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. The right place. Uh, I enjoy what I do. Um, I'm learning a lot, but I, I definitely want to coach again. It, but it, but uh, it's not that end-all, be-all. I just want to coach the coach. I want to coach where it matters. I want to coach where things have changed so much, right? I mean, you've got – my last year at, at Georgia was the first year of name, image, and likeness. We had $4,200 that year and another $2,000 that came from Crystal. Now a program like Georgia is <laughs> sitting somewhere at $2.5 million you know, for NIL and basketball. Like, it's just so different now. So, like, can you, you just got to get where it matters, where uh, I've been spoiled because of the places I've been in the sense of the fan support. So I want to get somewhere where the fans, maybe they aren't winning, but they have won and they want to win again, and they're going to come and support you, and it matters to everybody there. That's what I want. Really, really interesting stuff right there from Tom Crean. Coach, hope the kids are well. Great seeing you, obviously, at the national title game. Love your insight on ESPN, and uh, would love to see you back on the sidelines. Appreciate this time. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on back there. Thank you. That is Tom Crean right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Boy, Andy, I, I know I'm biased, but really enjoyed both of those, whether it was Bruce Weber to lead things off in the 9 o'clock hour or Tom Crean right there. I, I thought the insight strictly on Purdue, Indiana, like game, game talk. If you want to get nerd and X and O. Oh, it, sure. I mean, Indiana, you know, spacing better, overhelp on the dribble, Assembly Hall, five to six point advantage. I uh, can't thank Tom Crean, Bruce Weber, Mark Dykton, great stuff setting both those up. All right. Oh, so thank you. I, I do, I do think, uh, just looking at some lists, I know Crean didn't want to say it, but outside of the watch shot, uh, don't you have to go with, I mean, if you just go pure moments, not the entire season, you go back Yogi Ferrell 2016 versus Iowa to win the Big Ten outright, and then he wouldn't want to talk about this one. 2013. The Jeff was, Meyer incident? Yes. Was, Ann Arbor? Yes. Was, yeah. But that was a huge win, again, to win the Big Ten yeah, outright go, regular season. You know, Watt shot, obviously, that, that, that defines his fourth season. That would have been my senior year, but Will Sheehy, baseline jumper to come back and beat V ECU in round two. That got them back 
to the Sweet 16 where they face Kentucky again. Yeah, People it, forget that and they game. Be, and they beat Kentucky in Iowa, and Kentucky had no fans there. The yeah, Georgia Dome experience in the Sweet 16, IU and Kentucky, that was a great, great game. I know IU didn't win that one, but that, that, that was, was a Kentucky great, great game. Kentucky and Jamal Murray, and uh, that's Thomas Bryant for Indiana. That was, uh, that was a big matchup. We'll close it out, give him some picks, uh, maybe give away a pair of Golf Expo tickets. I appreciate everyone joining us today. Again, 1075thefan.com. If you want to check that out, you can find the podcast, the best of, uh, and everything else. We'll give our picks here in just a second, but we have two tickets to the Indie Golf Expo, right? Yes. KB, you want to give do. these away here? Let's do this. Uh, Scotty Johnson with a pop quiz question, and he points out that Robert Montgomery Knight was indeed in golf gear the <laughs> night that this happened, 1985, February. When Bob Knight threw the chair in protest of a foul call, Steve Reed was at the line for the Boilermakers when the chair came sliding on the floor in front of him. For two tickets to the Golf Expo coming up this weekend, give us a call right now, 317-239-1070. We need the answer to this. Who committed the foul that sent Reed to the line? I like it. Should we give the multiple choice, Scotty? Okay. <laughs> he says, you better. I like that. Well, four answers Scotty throws out here. Is it Stu Robinson, Winston Morgan, Daryl Thomas, or Steve Alford? 317-239-1070. We'll take that offline. Before we give our picks, cannot thank Bruce Weber and Tom Crean enough. I thought whatever you're kind of looking for, the nostalgia a little bit more from Bruce Weber, certainly present day on this matchup tonight, but great stories about Gene Cady and Bob Knight from Bruce Weber on the staff, of course, for 41 of these games with Gene Cady. And then Tom Crean just now. Again, I thought terrific insight on what he's seen from Indiana and Purdue here this season, but also, you know, a little bit of turning back the clock. And, and you know, Tom had two very different eras uh, in Bloomington. Um, so I thought some really candid comments from him as well. Those will both be up on the podcast Andy Sweeney, your pick for tonight, nine and a half point spread. Purdue favored on the road. Yeah, when people say, well, five or six points, I think Tom said this, hey, five or six points. No, Bruce said it, hey, five or six points, you know, playing at Assembly Hall or then at Mackey. I would agree with that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I think Purdue won't cover that. I have Purdue winning 83 70. Uh, I think we get a valiant effort from Indiana. I think perhaps we get, uh, we start to see That's signs of life. Right? It is signs of life, perhaps, from Xavier Johnson. I, I do think Indiana keeps it again. I do think, you know, five, six minutes to go, you start to see Purdue be the better team. Some of the things they learned last year being in Assembly Hall, you start to see here. Brain Smith, a good game. Edie puts up great numbers, 83-70. That's my final. Uh, Purdue wins by 13, and Indiana still searching for that first quad one win. Stu Robinson, Winston Morgan, Daryl Thomas, Steve Alford. Who committed the foul? Uh, that led to the chair throw from Bob Knight. Two tickets to the Indy Golf Expo. 317-239-1070. Give us a call for that. 69-64. Andy, okay, wow. I so that's low scoring. Okay. Purdue. I think the environment gets to some of these guys a bit. Uh, again, I just think Purdue's more disciplined. They will eventually you know, continue to feed the post, play off of that. Uh, McKenzie and Baco. Can he have that magical night that you know Bruce Weber talked about? Robert Finnessy did it. Jalen Huchifino did it. Can Mbako do that with an on-paper matchup here in that one? But again, I think Purdue pulls it out here 69-64 in Bloomington. We'll recap all of it tomorrow. Rick Carlisle, a little later in the show tomorrow, Jill Wrights will join us as well. Everybody safe travels on this Tuesday. Enjoy Indiana and Purdue.